And happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Kofefi Break here on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter. This young lady is Carrie. Oh, you call me young. Bless your heart. <laughs> I'm much older. I'm at least a, a year or two, a couple years old. I don't know. <laughs> happy um, Friday, everyone. If it's your first time joining us, this is our live show. We do Mondays and Fridays. It is Casual Friday. We have two guests who are going to be joining us shortly. We're going to start without them and just do our announcements. Book Club, we have a big announcement to make. We have had to move Book Club by a week. So instead of this Sunday, it's going to be next Sunday, June 6th at 2 p.m. Pacific time. And we're sorry about that. We usually don't have these kind of problems. There is an unforeseen scheduling thing on my end, and uh, I definitely want to be there for it. So we've moved it a week. And uh, actually, I saw some people in the Facebook group were very happy about that because they had not had time to finish the book. So they said they're going to try and make it. Which is good. So you got to stay of execution slowly. Yeah. Yeah. So there June 6th, book club, we've been reading Jordan Peterson's Beyond Order, and it's a nonfiction. Next month, we're doing Catch 22. So if you want to get a head start on the book next month, we're doing fiction next month. And you guys can find out more info at unsafespace.com on the book club page. There's details on how to join. You can be in the video chat with us and with the whole group, or you can just be in the live chat and it's free to join and participate. Um, we also have a shop there at unsafespace.com. If you want to buy t-shirts that say things like two weeks to slow the spread. And we have, uh, we have, uh, we have ways to support the show. If you want to support the show financially, there's a donate page with lots of different ways to do that. And if you can't do that, you can always, Share the videos, like, subscribe, tell people about it. Oh, look at that. Beverly put the merch up. <laughs> nice. There's a picture of the merch. And you can uh, leave us a review at iTunes, which would be very nice to get it, a review of what you think of the show. So we have our first ever unsafe space retreat coming up in August in Texas. And there are still a lot of day passes left. I know we're sold out of rooms, but there's day passes. So you'd have to get your own lodging, but you can come. Get a pass for the whole day's events. Meet other wrong thinkers. It's at unsafespace.com retreat. And I will apologize. I know a bunch of people are wanting more details. I'm going to try and get details out next week to people that are signed up wanting details. I've just been slow to do all that. So uh, I'll try and get those, get those out next week. Um, the details also, are we're going to start uh, first. We're going to I'm going to have you all strip the old paint off of my house. Then we're going to have a painting part. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always joke with my friend. She's a, she's a personal trainer. So we should come up with a Texas personal training where you, where she sells packages and we just have people come to yard work and housework. <laughs> the Tom Sawyer package. Yeah. April? Hi, April. Um, Hey, congrats. This is April Rose. Thank you for joining us today on Casual Friday, Cafefe Break. I have to say congratulations to you because I just saw your post that you, you did you pass your CNA now? Did I get I, that right? Yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a board board certified CNA now. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I congratulations. got like 20 minutes ago. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Wait, what's a CNA? Certified nursing assistant. Oh, okay. Congratulations. <laughs> are you going to force us all to are you going to hold us down and jab us with the Pfizer stuff not now? Yet, not yet I, I don't get that much responsibility yet 
<laughs> I'm, I'm not there yet. They're not trusting me with all the needles. <laughs> Excellent. Well, April, can you tell welcome. us a little bit about you do a podcast with Boone, don't you? We've talked sometimes. about this before. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes we podcast together, yeah. And where can people find that? Far Out Wisdom. Far Out Wisdom. Yep. Well, I'm so happy you joined us today. We just usually, we've been trying to mix it up, have different people come on and meet one another and then right. chat with talk. So it's more casual and it's less like doom and gloom with here's what's in the news. I know. And yeah. 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 And it's getting the whole like podcasty, YouTube world has been getting so negative. It's like we're in a time of criticism. Every, yeah. Everyone's critiquing everything. It's hard. Pointing fingers at each other. <laughs> It's just who can do it more eloquently, you know? So yeah. Yeah. it's hard to be optimistic for a lot of people right now, I think. And that's understandable, right? So it is uh, understandable. It is. Yeah. We've yeah. Had, but we've all had a pretty tough year, you know? Um, for me, the first half of it was nice. I was one of those people who was working way too much. So um, the shutdown took me out of that. Then I actually caught COVID and that, that's that been pretty awful. <laughs> it's been going wow. on five months. So Wow. Yeah. So everybody's had like, whether like financially or their health or, you know, like living situations or being isolated, people have had a hard time. I know a lot of Social tensions are are high right now for a bunch Mm -hmm. of reasons, obviously. So. Could you tell, do you mind talking about telling us a little bit about having that for five months? Is that what they're calling long COVID? Yeah. No, yeah. I don't mind talking about it. And it's funny, Uh, like, wait, wait. You just said, Carter, I kind of like, I feel like I'm in the middle of things when I talk to people like, um, because of this, because, um, I got really into studying COVID because of what I went through and I talked to some scientists and I talked to some researchers and I, the stuff I come back with, nobody likes the right. Doesn't like it. The left doesn't like it. Like oh, everybody, Tell us. in my opinion, everybody's being anti, anti-science, like everybody, cause everyone's just mentally fatigued from it yeah. and so people have just kind of decided to make up their mind about things at some point over the past year and then block everything else out and yeah. it doesn't help that we did actually get lied to a little bit at certain points you know so there's a trust issue but what happened with me was um you know my career for over 10 years has been in makeup retail ironically no makeup I've been enjoying not having to wear makeup the past year um but you know, that got turned on its head in COVID and the industry was already getting a little funky before COVID. So I was already had it in the back of my head. I might have to make a career change. So I had time to think over lockdown and then I was taking some part-time work over the summer. And I was like, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be a nurse and I never did that because, you know, I was younger and I couldn't handle all the schooling and I couldn't focus. And I was like, you know, I think I'll go do that. So I went to work at a nursing home and you know, they're, the big thing that they're making it out to be was just obviously masking up. They had all these rules about it. And, you know, I had it in the back of my head, like, should I be here? But I had been doing okay. My other work, I give historical tours in Salem, Massachusetts. So I'm walking outside. I'm around people a lot already before going there. And I just thought, you know, I'll be fine. Um, I'm taking all my vitamins and getting my rest and... I ended up catching it and I believe I just caught it through the air. I was really careful. I was very sanitary. I was wearing two masks and a face shield 
what I learned is that um, when people are in that living environment, it's an air purity issue. So I still believe there are situations a mask can help, mm-hmm. but that's probably not one of them because if somebody is living in the space and not leaving, like a resident in a nursing home, they're constantly breathing the air and you can be very, very masked, but if it's not something like a HEPA filter mask, yeah. it's in the air and you get a big load of it. It's not just how much, like if you just get like small amounts of the virus, you may not necessarily really catch it, but if you get enough of a load is when you get sick. So that's how I caught it. And then um, the first two weeks were fine. It was like a little cold. Uh-huh. And then this went on for like into the third week, my body just blew up and it's still taking, we're like five, six months out and I'm still going back to normal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, what do you mean by your body blew up? I don't want to get like graphic. But. Well, yeah, no, no, I'll tell you what happened. It's nothing like too gross, but I'll tell you what happened. It was the first two weeks were kind of like a little cold with a couple little twists to it, but it was like, okay, whatever. I have COVID. I took tons of vitamins. I did speak to some COVID researchers. I did everything that they recommended. The only thing I couldn't get was a medication. Because what a lot medication of, were you trying to get? Hydro- um, any well, anything they wanted to give me, really. Um, ivermectin was ivermectin, on my list, and the only way you could take it is if you got it in the animal form, which I wasn't really comfortable doing. Uh, um, you know, if I know what was get ivermectin happen, at all. No, if I'd known what was going to happen, if I hey, could go back in time, I would have just taken the animal paste. If I know what was going to happen. But I'm not telling people to do that. Please don't go take the animal paste because you might get sick. <laughs> but after what ha- what did happen to me, I, I probably would have just um, driven to uh, like a farm supply store and taken it. Because I did look up where there were such stores near me. Um, I'm right outside of Boston. So there's not like a ton of places, but there were a few. But I called my primary thinking for sure we're 10 months into this they must have something they're doing for people. And they like, they were actually kind of rude. They pushed me off the phone and then I made calls around everywhere. Oh, say hi to my puppy. Oh, hi. <laughs> this is my month of pop, so. You can say hi to Tiger. Hi, Bruno. All right. <laughs> hi. He's sitting here quietly like a cat. A random puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the other one. There's two of them. There's two. Here's the other oh, one. Oh, wow. Hi. They look like Muppets. Everyone. Like fluffy Muppets. They, they do. Yeah, they look like baby Ewoks. And they yes. need lots of attention. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the puppy interlude. So, um, so, yeah. So, no, I called around the area here. Nobody was giving out medication. Like, that was the stance. Like, I called all the networks around here. Right. And, you know, anybody else I could think of. Nobody was giving anything out. But, I, you know, I took time. Why was that? I'm not up to date on anything about ivermectin or was there a shortage or was it just they no. didn't recommend it for this or? I mean, you're Fake asking news. me. Is that the reason? Oh, yeah. What, what I went through with this, I think it's just, um, it was about money because they put money into the vaccine and they want uh, people to take the vaccine. You know, I'm not one of those people who's going to be like, they're trying to poison us with the vaccine. I don't I don't believe that. I don't think they're trying to hurt people with the vaccine, but I do think that it's a greed factor. And I do think that it led to medical negligence. Um, I believe that, well, I know you can go back and look, there was already emerging studies right when COVID was hitting that there were drugs that helped. Ivermectin was one that was mentioned. Of course, we know the hydroxychloroquine because Trump put a spotlight on that one, but there were a few things 
And um, they just didn't use them. How nice would it have been if they didn't force this shutdown, like crash a historically wonderful economy and all yeah. of that? The, the restrictions they put on every, they could have just let things go, you know, with maybe some minimal protocols, right. like, but sick, just give you something. Um, and I understand that a lot of the time we want like a two year, five year double blind study, but we know that there's no time for that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's I, interesting because they, they complained about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin because it hadn't been through those studies, but neither have the vaccines. Yeah, uh, they're not complaining about that at all. And and those drugs are much older. Those are mm-hmm. very right. old drugs. Hydroxychloroquine is very old. It actually comes all the way from you know quinine, quinine. Yeah, you know that's what we used to treat. You know, going back like four or five hundred years, it's been with us a long time. Hydroxychloroquine is an even safer version of chloroquine, which mm-hmm. also came from that. It was kind of like a derivative and um, hydroxychloroquine is an even safer version because it does have a poisonous component to it, but that's also how it kills viruses inside of you. But hydroxychloroquine hasn't really been changed since the fifties because they never felt a need to, because it was pretty safe. The only time you have a risk with it is if you have to stay on it for longer than six months, but it's a very old medication and ivermectin is probably even safer. In fact, when they first invented it, it was for a humanitarian crisis of river blindness, like this type of parasite people were getting in other countries. It was making them go blind. And um, they actually donated the first so many millions of doses. They donated it because it was a humanitarian crisis. And it was for people. A lot of people in this country think that it's for animals because they only hear about it with deworming your dog or your, you know, your horse. It was actually for people and it won a Nobel Peace Prize because it saved wow. so many lives. And it's been found that um, it can work on viruses. It has some actions to it that help. Like with COVID, it has, I won't get into all the boring science, but it actually, it actually helps with COVID. It'll help you kick it out. It's fascinating so what, what to me that was, those two drugs were so known, so well, like trusted. And the minute that they could be applied to something else. We were specifically I mean, correctly. <laughs> if it wasn't a pandemic, it's well, correct to say, well, we should test it on this and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's fine. But but then when the vaccines come out, it's like a brand new thing. No one's ever done anything with mRNA before. And oh, yeah, it's fine. Emergency approval. They just we don't jump really to, tested. It's good. Yeah, well, it's hip- hypocrisy. But my, I have a question about how. So when you were calling and trying to get a prescription for something, what were they saying, though? Did they say that it was a shortage or they just said we're not prescribing this? We do not. Our policy is not to treat for COVID. We will not treat for COVID and we will not treat you after COVID. Wow. We will not give you medication. I had no idea. And this is what's going on in certain states. Like Massachusetts is one of them. Like some, you can probably guess, depending on um, political leanings, some are treating people and some aren't. To give you an idea, I ended up finding a doctor all the way in Austin, Texas, where you are. Wow. Medication. Yeah, I, I ended up, um, my body, all this stuff happened to me in the third week and a researcher I was talking to, and this researcher actually, <clears throat> by the way, was encouraging me to take the ivermectin like over a week before. He was like, if you can get the ivermectin, take it. And when I couldn't get it, I was like, well, you know, I'm taking all these supplements and I'm such a health freak and I don't feel real sick and I think I'm okay. And they kept saying, if you're okay after the ninth day, you're going to be fine. Ha ha. So 
you know, I, when all this stuff started to happen to me and I, I went to the ER room three times, this researcher sent me a list and I put it on my Facebook several times it has subscribers all around the country. Some of them are around the world. Some of them are nationwide and some of them are by state. And that's how I found this guy in Austin. Um, so that's how I got help. I had to talk to doctors outside of Massachusetts to get help when I got COVID. Wow. Yeah. And so, so what are your symptoms now? Like you said, you've had it, if you've had long COVID, what are, what are your symptoms? So now luckily I think I'm coming to the end of it. It's just very slow. Now my eyes are still swollen. My vision's a little bit blurry and I might still rash up a little bit. The rashing isn't as bad. That's starting to calm down a little bit. And every now and then I might cough, but the cough mm-hmm. is mostly gone. So wow. it, it seems to be working its way out of me. I just have to be like so careful. I'm being very strict with my diet. Um, like no sugar, no alcohol, like very strict till I think it's 110% gone because the thing about long COVID is we still have the virus. That's something else you're going to hear about. Like we're not contagious, but I think most of us won't, unless we're very immunocompromised and we have some really horrible big reactivation, we're not contagious, but the virus goes and hides in us. And that's why we're sick. They're calling it after effects. It's not an after effect. We still have it and we're not being treated for it. There are some doctors who are looking into this. It's not being like totally neglected, but mm-hmm. it definitely was a scary year because a lot of us did get kind of pushed aside and kind of felt gaslit by a lot of the doctors, so. Sure. Are you yeah. taking anything now or you just, it's too late, you're not gonna bother? Um, now, mostly it's just a lot of items, vitamins, sorry. And I also take a zeolite which is a type of clay that purifies you. Um, if you, there's all different types. Um, this particular one, it's nanoparticle, so it can really go everywhere. It can cross the blood-brain barrier. COVID likes to hide in your brain. It likes to hide in your spine. Um, so I take this to help kind of purify my body because I also think what goes on is you get like people have maybe a little bit too much yeast in your gut or in your blood, or, you know, you get like trace heavy metal poisoning, you know, all that kind of like those toxins that we can accumulate. And those things actually feed viruses. So that could be a theory as to why some people become long haulers and others don't. I don't know for sure that that's the case, but I am taking things like zeolites to help clean my body out and um, to hopefully get rid of what's, what's left of the virus. We have a, from Verity Renaissance, we have a super chat who says, uh, Dr. Paul E. Merrick Mm -hmm. is a great resource for info on COVID treatment and ivermectin. I believe he's also one of the world's most cited research uh, clinicians. Yeah. Have you heard of him? The East Virginia, yeah. He's at um, the East Virginia Medical School, East Virginia Medical School, say that the right way. And he actually did start putting up a protocol, that person's right, about six to eight months back for COVID and you can go look this up, this protocol through him, Um, it's online. He updates it. I don't think he's updated it as much recently, but it has a list of what to do if you're like at home with COVID and then a list of suggestions of what to do when you have people in hospital and how sick they are. And he includes ivermectin. I actually did look up that protocol when I first got sick and I got everything on the protocol except the ivermectin Hmm. to show you how important that can be to have the ivermectin, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so what are the things that you, I'm going to jump in. Sorry, Carter. I just fine. have a question. 
about something you said at the beginning. You said because you because of your own experience and doing all the research that you've done, that the some of the answers you found upset people on the left and people on the right. What are some of the things that you found that are upsetting people? Like, like um, with masks, like sometimes masks help, sometimes they don't. Like, mm-hmm. you know, part of the problem think- is they, they weren't honest enough about it in the beginning. Like, you know what I mean? And then they made it a legal mandate, which is really obnoxious. Yeah. And that's going to piss yeah. people off. But like, yeah, there's times like if you're walking in and out of a store, is it good to have a mask? It'll slow down the droplets, which can kind of, yeah, it could help. Can I give you an exact percentage of how much it's helping? I mean, it's definitely not 100%, but yeah, it could help. But if you're like sitting inside, like, I mean, kids sitting in a classroom without a lot of open windows, young kids sitting in the same room together for so many hours in the circulated air, the mask might not matter as much um, because you're just sharing that air. There's times it works, there's times it doesn't. Um, there's been a lot of, you know, somebody, somebody in Massachusetts tagged me in something today. There's like a, a group of Massachusetts parents who are really upset about the whole thing with the schools, the distancing, the masks and all the protocols. They're just going so far the other way. They're going, we don't even want our kids tested for COVID. I'm like, well, don't you want them tested? Don't you want to know if you like, they don't even trust Mm -hmm. the test now. And I'm like, you know, maybe you want to know if they catch it because then you can give them a dose of something they don't end up with some long chronic condition, you know, and then they want to argue about it. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> that's what yeah, I there's mean. There's been no nuance this past year. It's just yeah. been like black and white. And, and there's one side that's like masks are perfect and everything's great. And the other side that's like COVID doesn't exist and I don't want to get tested exactly. or whatever. And it's like, yeah. there's no nuance. I actually don't, I don't know anybody who thinks, let's just clarify. I don't know anyone who says COVID doesn't exist. Do well, you? No one says masks are perfect either. I'm being like hyperbolic. I've heard okay. of people who doubt, I've, I've heard people saying like, oh, I think it's a myth. I've heard a few, somebody actually did say that in front uh, of me. It was like a crowd of people. So I did, cause it was really funny. Cause it was only a few months ago with me with what happened wow. to me I just I just didn't say anything <laughs> like, all right all right yeah another one is um people keep saying like where did the flu go they go there's no reports oh, of right. the flu and they think that that means that the news is lying and that they're misreporting cases of the flu as COVID but the fact is COVID transmits much more easily you can be wearing a mask and you can be sanitizing and the infection, the infectiousness of COVID is much higher. So you're likely to just inhale it and catch it where the flu, it's different. We just don't, it's just not as aggressive. That's why you're not hearing about the flu because most of the country is masking and sanitizing and distancing. Mm. It's not that they're lying about the flu. It's a, they're really much flu right now. Oh, interesting. That's true. It's true. Uh, Jupiter says, thank you, Carrie, all my lefty friends who uh, used to say, I don't, or which, anyway, I don't know a single person who doesn't believe that, that COVID is real. Uh, yeah, that's my experience too. I just don't know anyone who says, who believes that, except in the chat right before Jupiter, there's someone who says, I'm one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got one of those here. Okay. There you are. Yeah, I mean, let's not pick on that. I, I was being hyperbolic. There are people who think it's right. not a big deal and it's just a flu. Yeah. Those people do exist. And there are yeah. people who think that wearing a mask and washing your hands is super, super effective always. Mm-hmm. And those are the two yeah. better represented camps. I apologize mm-hmm. for being hyperbolic. You don't have to apologize, Carter. Gosh, somebody's <laughs> like, touchy today. 
know. It's just like no one says that. It's like I I know. Yeah, Come but on. Let's, we're not even having a conversation. A few okay. people do though. Okay, it's not really common, but there's no. But I, I look. I don't think it's. I don't think it's good to engage in spreading. Uh, there are stereotypes. There are people on the left who actually believe that that people like me don't believe COVID is real. Right. Yeah. And, and the reason why that's important for me to point that out is because that's not true. They're in an echo chamber, Carter. They actually believe that because we're against we're against mass mandates and lockdowns that we don't think COVID is real. I don't know anyone for whom that's the case. I mean, clearly there's someone in chat, but that's why that was important for me to point out. Don't get so touchy. It's not like I'm not like ah, Carter. I'm just no, no. I'm just like I I, okay. I think that I, I don't think it was necessary. I, look, we we got. I, if people are saying people like you're talking about that are characterizing the other side as not believing COVID exists, I guess I don't care about them. I think that's just so low, low IQ. Like no one, that's just a bullshit statement. And, and it's, not that, it's, it's not that common. It's not that common. No, I mean, but I think what did happen is <clears throat> when all of this happened, when COVID came here, it didn't hit this country evenly. It started in areas. It spread. I remember I live in Massachusetts. We got hit pretty hard, pretty fast. We're very crowded. Um, and then after a few months, I went on a road trip to Ohio and it was like nothing had happened. And it was so weird. I was wow. like, oh, I yeah. could breathe. And you know, then you had this wave of people over that way, people in the Midwest thinking it wasn't real or protesting everything and thinking they're just showing us some type of worst case thing in the news. And it, it's, it's not that bad, right. but it just did not. And then eventually it did spread to those places, but it still hasn't hit people evenly. Like I'll have people... You know, like I said, I give I give walking tours and sometimes people drive to Salem from the other side of Massachusetts, which is not even a very big state, but it's very populated. And if you go to the western side of Massachusetts, everything's spread out more. And I encounter people who are like, if, if it comes up, if we talk about COVID and I share it with them, they're like, really? It did all that to you? Like wow. they still think, that, I mean, it's not they think it's fake. But they yeah. think it's not a big deal. They're like, they I just know don't know anyone who's had a big issue with it. And like, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I mean that makes sense. And that's one of the problems with the one size fits all authoritarian control over how to handle this, which is like you end up if you if you're in a place where like New York, which had a was heavily hit, like maybe the pr proper response in New York is a little bit more cautionary than the sure. middle of Idaho. And but when you tell people in the middle of Idaho, they have to respond like they're New Yorkers. Uh, <laughs> it's going to piss them off and you've lost credibility with them because they're mm -hmm. looking around going, there's nothing going on. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. All right. So. All right. What's uh, I'm just. What's bothering you in the news lately? <laughs> April. Me? <laughs> yeah. No. Hmm. What's my what's my bugaboo these days? Well, you know, I'm a little sad for people in our age range. I'm afraid that the economy might not come back. It did yeah. so well under Trump and it was so long. I mean, I know people like me, like I was doing okay. Then a little bit before Obama got into office, we started to have the recession. Then it got worse. It got worse. Right. And it just didn't get better for a long time. And I was one of those people just stuck in a low wage job. And I could, my, my, my schedule was dominated. I couldn't go back to school. I was just like stuck in it. And we had this bigger class of working poor than I think we've had in America for a long time when that happened. 
And when Trump got in, he did start to do something about it. I don't think he had like a permanent long-term fix. I mean, nobody does. But that was the first taste I got in my adulthood of a good economy and everything. All of a sudden, I had like a higher salary job and I was shopping for houses. And I was actively looking at houses right before shutdown. And, you know, now what I see Biden doing and, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little sad for some people. I'm like, are we going to get that back? Like, how much time do we have? You know, I'm 40. Yeah. I don't know how long yeah. people want to sit around waiting to be. There's just a class of people who are still trying to pop back up and have what their parents had. There's a bunch of people who are like this in a holding pattern. Yep. Well, that's kind of bothering me. I had, a, yeah. I had a conversation with someone yesterday, a bit older than me, um, who was saying she really feels for the younger generation because she, you know, from her perspective, she's like, they don't know any better. And that rang true for me because when I was that age, I didn't know any better, but, and you know, you kind of see like what's around you is normal. And so you've got young people who are seeing that the government, that it's normal to be on the government teat and to depend on the government for everything and to put your, your trust in them implicitly. And she was saying, you know, they, they just want to control these young people. And, and they're like, you know, we're depend on us. We're here to take care of all your needs and give you these little goodies and dole these things out um, and get used to that because we own you now. And it's kind of a dystopian view, but I think that, I think that she's right in some ways. I've, I've definitely seen people who just um, in the past year have become accustomed to not working and, We've seen numerous articles we've talked about on this show before of employers can't find enough staff. And it's across, it's all kinds of industries. They can't find enough staff and people psychologically paying more, right? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I just, I think, you know, it, it took me until very recently doing the show with Carter in the past few years to realize that. The government doesn't have our best interest in at heart. I know that's a funny thing to say, but it's like Josh Slocum, who I think you would really dig April. He does a, a, a show called Disaffected. He tweeted the other day something to the same effect. He said, you know, it was only within the past three years that I stopped believing the lie that the government is here to help us generally, that their intent is good. <laughs> and And that may seem like, you know, to those of you who've always been able to see it, you know, I'm a late bloomer or whatever, but that's the way it is for me. That's the way it is for me too. I guess I'm a late bloomer. So anyway, I think, look at these young 20 somethings and maybe they don't want, maybe they don't know anything. This appears normal. This is the government's job. It's the government's job to pay you to sit at home and, and do nothing, you know? And well, one of the things I fear, and I that, that's my but I just think just a general decline in expectations, even if they might be hard workers, you know, I think a lot of the younger people who've come up through what we had and people in their 20s and early 30s now have come up through like the recession and all of that. They understand you have to work for things on some level, but the standards of living that, they, that they're seeing now are lower than what we saw. You get what I'm saying? Where there's a portion yeah, of yeah. us, a portion of people my age still can't have a house. We still, we still haven't gotten there yet. Um, and that, we know that's yeah. not normal. That's frustrating for us. But for a 20-year-old coming up behind me, seeing that, that's their new standard. Like, well, I probably won't have a house or I won't have a house till I'm 45. And right. that that's what, me. Yeah. 
That's what this woman was saying. She said, you know, do you want to rent forever and own nothing? And when she said that, I was reminded of the World Economic hey, Forum, the, the, yeah, the Great Reset propaganda they've been putting out with the picture of the smiling guy. It says, in the future, you will own nothing. And you I will think be I'm happy. losing you guys a little bit. Oh. Oh, We've got you, though. I'm back. Yeah, we got you. We hear you fine. Yeah. No. Yeah. Freezing up on me. Okay. okay. You're kind of back. I mean, <laughs> this is what, I mean, not to be the. I'm always this guy, so never mind. Uh, I I can't like not to be quintessentially Carter, but this is what's been going on for like a hundred years, right? I mean, you had people. This is how government expands slowly and things get normalized. I mean, even when I was young, it was normal that Social Security was a thing. You pay like the government's going to handle your retirement. You pay Social Security. Well, that wasn't always normal. That was an outrageous expansion of government power that no one thought was normal for a long, long time mm-hmm. until now. It's normalized. That's now how things normal. happen. And so we're just happening to be at this point in time where this particular expansion of government is something that we notice because it's moving our baseline a little bit. But the next generation, that's their baseline. And this is how eventually we become Venezuela. That is the path that we've always been on. It hasn't changed, and it will. We will get there. We'll be yeah. eating dogs and rats in the streets eventually, but like we just, you know, and our currency will be toilet paper. But it just <laughs> takes a long time, right? I saw a study the other day that I shared, of basically showing that now, okay, starting in maybe the early seventies or so, when women started going to college more and they were able to take the pill. The more educated you became as a woman, the less kids you had. Well, very recently, they're finding that flip now. More educated women are having more kids. And the reason for that is because they're making more money. And it's becoming a privilege now to have children. Like the middle class and the working class are not having kids. And what they are doing, because they still need to live and they need to work, they are giving ever cheaper childcare and housekeeping services, the woman, ever cheaper childcare and housekeeping services to these rich women, educated women, making it even easier for them to have the kids and them to not have right. the kids. And that's scary. That reminds me of like, um, that that's not normal in America at all. I mean, we certainly have had times before women had rights, of course, like if a woman wasn't married or, you know, she might be in a situation where she gets taken advantage of and then she can't have her own family. Like, being a nanny to a rich family, but that wasn't the norm. You know what I mean? This yeah. is, we're just talking about lots of people. So yeah, that's really scary. Yeah, yeah that is. Well, I mean, and you, and you look at like, look at Biden's latest proposal, right? It's like a, is it an $8 trillion or something like that? It's like some ridiculously huge spending proposal. The federal reserve balance sheet in the last, I don't know, 10 or so years has gone up 8x or something ridiculous and i was just reading an article this morning like oh it's not going to go down like that's you know <laughs> okay no, it's not. So and that's yeah, the new no. normal yeah, <laughs> like, yeah i mean the the uh the idea i feel like there it's this one long cocaine party and <laughs> and like there's a there's a couple people on the side going like you gotta stop stop snorting this shit man like you it, you're it's gonna kill you 
and you've got the federal government that's just like, nope, I got some more in me. And like, all right, but like you are going to die. I know the party's been fun. I know that all the boomers, you know, funded your lifestyle at the expense of your grandkids. Like I get all that, but eventually your heart stops. You can't keep doing that. Um, and and we're looked at as the crazy ones. Like, oh, pshaw, we can print money. You don't understand how economics works. It's like, all right, when you're dead, I guess I get to say I told you so. Like when the government, when everything falls apart, like it's little consolation to be part of a shitty country that's like completely gone to crap and, and be able to turn around and say, I told you so. That's not what I want. Like, please stop the binge. Stop it. Yeah. I'm um, hoping people can't. I'm hoping that maybe the, it's going to sound so ugly because my parents are boomers, but these boomers are going to finally die and stop yeah. running everything because that's what they've shown us. That's what it's going to take. They're not retiring. Like as politicians, you know, they're acting like a monarchy. They're just well, running everything until they die. But there's also, <laughs> you know, if you, but I'm not, I'm not confident about the generation that will take over and start running things. I mean, because Gen X, we tend to be sort we're of kind of suck. Well, we're kind yeah. of removed. We're a little bit more like just let us be and don't ruin the world. We just want to be able to be in peace. Mm-hmm. But the generation after us, the millennials, they seem more like the boomers. I mean, they're they, you know we've we've I was a, I was a bit of that. I was right on the line. I'm like the youngest of the Gen X and the oldest of the millennials, I guess. Mm-hmm. And when I was in SJW, that's total millennial energy. It's like, we're going to remake the world into our vision of utopia. And we're going to mm-hmm. do, and mm-hmm. those people terrify me. Greta Thunberg terrifies me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that, you know, that David Hogg, those, they're, they're, well, they're ideologues. Z, right? But they're no. also bad. They're are, are they? Really? Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're uh, I don't know. They're just David Hogg. Like that, those, those people, they're, they're ideologues. They're, they're convinced that they're on the right side of history, which always scares me because those people, they never question that they're the baddies or that they're wrong or that they, their policy is no, wrong. And then they could do anything to you because they think it's for good. It's justified. That yeah. always scared me about it too, because it was the best hiding place for bad intentions. Yes. <laughs> it's the best hiding place. So yeah. that always frightens me, you know? Um, so yeah, I agree with you with that. I do think Gen X is a mixed bag, though, so I don't want to call it yet. I feel like there's a lot of Gen X that was very steeped in reality, mm-hmm. and uh, we've had a lot of time to kind of watch everything going wrong. So we're not too idealistic, but we are. We do have a good idea of what we want to get back. So I'm hoping some good people show up. I, I don't know. Gen if X is right, though. They're they're like they're pragmatic. Gen Xers tend to be much more pragmatic you're not going to have a gen xer paint a big vision for a future you're going to have a gen xer like buckle down and teach you how to save money and survive the storm more likely uh and it's the aoc generation unfortunately that's going to come along and be like we're going to fix everything we need full marxism and like that's the next fix the next fix is full-on socialism that's right, but maybe um, maybe Gen X is going to be maybe we will be like the reluctant leader, like Jack in Lost. It's like I don't want to lead. Perfect, you're the leader that we need. <laughs> like, the ones who want to lead, no. <laughs> See, my my idea with the millennials is, <clears throat> I think they're actually a very split generation. 
And I don't think they get enough credit here. And I think maybe the. I think that you've got the, the side of them that are very outwardly scary that we're seeing like AOC and you're seeing very spoiled kids in that generation. There is like a big chunk of that generation that their parents lost everything, you know, coming into um, the 9-11 times, the economic slip. There's a lot of these kids that grew up without huge Christmases. A lot of these kids grew up knowing the second they got out of high school, they just went right to work or they took two jobs. I mean, I was in retail management through this time and I watched them coming into the workforce and they'd be. Oh no, this is when it's getting really interesting. (laughs) I know. Uh, A defense of millennials. I know. I I mean, I, I agree with her. I think, I think both things are true about millennials, right? They're not, it's not all bad or all good. They, they have suffered a lot and they, their financial uphill battle is a legitimate battle that's undeserved that said they're also extremely entitled and like have this kind of all the bad things about AOC are also true about millennials so yeah um well she's going to come back she's going to try to log out and come back but i want to we can chris scars gave us a super chat and says as a millennial i say secession is the answer see there's a millennial after your own heart yeah i like that chris I'm not <laughs> oh yeah you millennial were- uh a defense, defense of millennials. millennials. Yeah. <laughs> defense of millennials. Yeah. Yeah, I know, because I, I, what I saw, they're maybe the hard, most hard, ugh, can't talk. They are maybe the most hardworking generation since uh, almost our grandparents' generation. They just kind of came right into, right into it knowing this isn't going to be easy. I'm going to take two jobs, even though I'm only 18 months, I'm only 19 months, I'm going to work all summer. I saw them do this. There's a portion of them that are like this and they're still not getting credit because I think they're too busy working and not whining. <laughs> the whining uh, ones. There's are also though, <laughs> I mean, there's also a portion of millennials having hired millennials. So like there's also a portion of millennials who are like massively entitled who, yes, there you are, know, yes. I'm hiring you to be the social media person. And they're like, okay, it's been three weeks. Do I have a raise now? And I'm yeah. a vice president. It's like, yep. no. Can you do your job? That's what I mean. I think for a generation, there's an unusual divide of characteristics there. And I've seen that too, because again, I've worked with a lot of them. I've seen them. um, I think I may have discussed this with you when we podcasted in the past. A lot of them were on IEPs that were very, very curated and padded for them. And they come into a workplace going, well, can I have extra time to get my sales goals in? Can you explain what IEP is for people who didn't watch that episode? An individualized education plan. So, yeah, I I think a lot of the time it probably works great. Sometimes you do have to tailor someone's education. I mean, we all complain about the public education system because it's too much a cookie cutter, right? So what Mm -hmm. they try to do is if you have anything different about you, ADHD, whatever, they give you an IEP so that it's tailored so supposedly you can learn better. And it looks like they've almost gotten too good at this. You know, where if somebody gets distracted, they give them extra time to finish their mm-hmm. assignments and finish their tests instead of saying, hey, you know, you actually have to just learn how to keep up. How to do this. Do it. That's the other side of it. So I've encountered these kids in the workplace, like what you're saying, they're so spoiled that they actually think that the job is going to get tailored for them, which. Right. You know, because there's no <laughs> the IEP is not a I'm a I'm I'm a fan of figuring out how people learn and tailoring stuff to them. If you can afford that, that's great. But mm-hmm. one of the things you're supposed to learn is executive function mm-hmm. and and deadlines. <laughs> and like 
if it doesn't bother to teach how to function in the real world, then it's not really a successful plan. Um, so even if they can memorize all the states and capitals or whatever else the hell it is they learn. Yeah, and so. I have a theory too that because a lot of people who have defended it to me go, oh no, these are proven methods. And I, I, I think sometimes there's probably some merit but I think a lot of the times it just makes the teachers and the parents feel better about it. They feel like, oh, look, we've accommodated them. So it looks like they're learning the same things and it looks like they're keeping up and they feel better about it, about the kid. Right. They feel like the kid is keeping up, but they're actually just, you know, not really setting them up for success. Right. And the ultimate test of whether it's working is 40 years from now. How'd it work? How'd their lives turn out? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've had to I've uh, had to participate in the firing of people who are on these IEPs and have looked at me like I don't understand. I've never failed at anything. Right, and oh, that's, oh, wow. failure is an important lesson to learn. You should. You probably were did fail at things, and you just weren't told that you failed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah, fair. yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I don't understand. My solipsist educational system has uh, always worked yeah. well for me. Yes. You have a skewed perception of reality. I think George Carlin did a famous bit on it where he's like, you know, like every kid gets a trophy and little Johnny keeps being told he's great when he's an idiot. And nobody tells little Johnny he's an idiot until he's 24. And his boss goes, Johnny, grab your things and get out. You're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) He did a whole comedy spiel on this. (laughs) A long time ago, too. That's true. Yes. Yeah. He was, as always, he was right. Yeah. Yeah. So. We have a super chat from I'll Fight You Naked, who uh, uh, is is basically emphasizing something you said, April. Uh, emergency authorization of vaccines is rescinded if there's a viable, safe treatment. Hydroxychloroquine and, and ivermectin, that's how you say it, right? Ivermectin are no longer under correct. patent dollar signs. That is correct. That, and that is that, yeah, yeah, that's been cited as part of the reason for the dollar signs, if they had given those drugs a stamp of approval for treatment for COVID, they couldn't have pushed the vaccine through like this for emergency use. So that, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And think about the things that are completely free, like going outside in the sunshine and having vitamin D, which helps. It's like, I remember uh, we saw a clip from CNN or where they were talking about how they were going to start removing stuff from YouTube that was, uh, that, you know, what they called it fake news about COVID and they included under that anyone who talks about vitamin D. <laughs> it's like, wait, yeah. vitamin D. I remember that. That's and I remember, news? Yeah. Like that's vitamin D is fake news. Really? Yeah. I, you know, there's so many things I've looked at myself too. And I remember one of them when I was in quarantine, I got this idea because I have a face steamer and I'm like, I'm going to put sea salt in the face steamer and just inhale a little bit of that, like to help purify my lungs and my sinuses while I have COVID because hello, salt kills a lot of things. And I went to look it up and it was like, all I could find was some warning from, I think it was the CDC or the FDA going, you know, do not think you can use salt for anything for COVID. Like instead of saying like, well, we haven't evaluated it. I want to be like, really guys, you're sure that salt doesn't sometimes kill COVID or maybe slow it down? Like, I mean, salt tends to be pretty caustic on viruses and on, on bacterias. And they, all they could say was like, nope, 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 nope. Sea salt yeah. does nothing. I'm like, how, but you haven't looked at it. <laughs> no. 
does not. Yeah. It, the, the confidence of their position <laughs> is the scary part for a lot the of this stuff. Yeah. It's like we're 100 percent certain this is the right thing. We're 100 percent certain that's wrong. And it's like, what? how you can't possibly look up the history. Look up more history of hydroxychloroquine and what it's derived from. Do you know how many viruses it works on? Everything. It works yeah. on HIV. It works on. Jesus. <laughs> I know it it's a malaria on, drug. It's a blue. Yeah. It works on polio. It works on everything. And then there was a study saying that they believe the chloroquine, not the hydroxychloroquine, but the chloroquine works on SARS-1. They never got a chance to give it to people who had SARS-1, but they tried it in mice and they held on to that study because they knew they were like, the SARS thing is going to come back. So they held yeah. on to that. And then right when uh, this COVID showed up, they went, okay, hydroxychloroquine. And then people jumped all over them to retract the study. But this is how many things hydroxychloroquine works on. I'm like, you're going to tell me it works on everything but SARS-2. Like SARS-2 is made out of unicorn tears and right. leprechaun beards or something. It's magical. <laughs> well, they also help to... They, so so part of what aided them in convincing people that it, it was something you shouldn't take or that it wouldn't work was that Trump mentioned it. And people have... They had already mm -hmm. cultivated this natural, this sort of this programmed, this visceral reaction that people have to anything that he supports, they must then oppose. And so we saw that happening. And 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 just recently, Fauci's now saying, hey, COVID probably came from a lab leak. After all this, this whole year of saying that that was a conspiracy theory, you know, and we did a whole episode on that and all the doctors who signed that letter um, saying that there's no way it came from a lab leak, and and the guy, the guy who organized it actually worked at the lab. It was like, it's like they they funded funded the funded lab. funded the lab. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So 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 Fauci's now saying, hey, it's probably a lab leak. And I saw New York Magazine ran a thing that was kind of honest for a headline, sort of saying, you know, um, that that this is how the liberal like they said liberal media smeared anyone who was talking about a possible lab leak. But the funniest response I saw, I believe it was CNN, it was one of the cable news channels, they actually did a segment where they were saying, well, yeah, we the media, we kind of dropped the ball on the lab leak origin, but it was because it was Trump's fault, because Trump mentioned it. They basically did it. They twist yeah. around something he said. Oh, oh, he said a lab leak? Oh, we thought he said unicorns are real. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He shouldn't have said unicorns are real. He, yeah, you know, so we had totally to oppose opposite. what he said. Oh, a lab yes. leak. Right, right. Yeah. It's like, no, well, it's he should have said it. If he hadn't said it, we would have investigated. But, right. you know, I yeah, don't know. That's this all it really crazy. is. Can and I, I say I hi real quick? Uh, let me interrupt you real quick. We have, uh, do you know Az from Hill versus Babyface? He's in the chat. Oh, Az is here. Hill hey, Az. Az. Yeah, he says... Get participation trophies. Get entitled brats. That's true. <laughs> that and is Richard, true. Richard Pets. Hello, Richard. He says one cannot learn if one cannot fail. Also true. And uh, and then our our good friend Tatiana says I'm with that other guy. Secession for me for the win. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I just stay. Yeah. I just want to stay caught up on those. I'm sorry I interrupted you, April. No, it's okay. <clears throat> no, I remember. I remember um, the hydroxychloroquine studies coming out before Trump said it. You know, and that's when you feel like you're going crazy. I'm like, I remember studies coming out. And then he mentions hydroxychloroquine 
five yes. weeks later, and then it was just completely shut down. Yeah. This is yeah. how I felt about him speaking out against CRT. So when he finally did something about critical race theory and he did his executive order mm-hmm. about it and getting it out of federal labs, we talked about this. I told Carter, I said, I'm actually sort of, I'm, I'm divided. My, my opinion on it's divided because I think it's good that he's trying to do something to oppose it, but I also think it's bad because now that it's come out of his mouth, they're going to, everyone's going to mm-hmm. say, oh, well, he opposes CRT. It must be good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's some kind of buffoon and he's just, yeah. oh, he's just making things up again. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't think that reconciliation is possible. So I still like that it came out of his mouth because <laughs> the people who don't react that way are like, oh, good. He's, he's on my side. I got it. Like he's, he's saying the right things. They get some validation for, you know, something that they thought maybe was a problem. And the idiots who are just always anti-Trump no matter what. Okay, sure. But they were always going to, they were inevitably going to become allies for CRT anyway. If they haven't gotten around to being indoctrinated yet, they would have eventually been indoctrinated. So uh, Trump was just the the vehicle. I'm okay with that. Trump um, drew the, the loud, quick, hard line in the sand about it. Like, nope, this is happening. Yeah. Nope. I'm going to publicly say nope. And then, it, yeah, you're right, I guess. What yeah. do you, what do you, what do you think, April, about that? Oh, Carter says he doesn't believe in reconciliation. I think the best way to sum this up is we were interviewed by the MythCon guys, and they asked us if we could pick a marriage counselor for America, who would we pick? Oh, and I picked someone, but then Carter's turn came, and he said, I would not pick a marriage counselor. I'd pick a divorce lawyer attorney. And so <laughs> he doesn't actually believe reconciliation is possible. Things like, like Brett Weinstein's unity party, which I think is very well intentioned. And, you know, what are your opinions about where we're headed as a country and, and as a culture is reconciliation possible? Yeah, eventually. Um, I think this is a phase that we're going through, you know, there's going to be a lot of fighting. Um, one of my friends told me a little bit about this as a cycle that this happens every so many years, you kind of have a crisis cycle, everybody fights, it can turn into a civil war. That does happen to places. But it kind of needs to happen because people kind of, uh, you know, a, few, a generation or a few generations goes by and people don't get enough of their needs met suddenly, right? Things, you know, power or the way the way things are arranged or the red tape of the government or society isn't serving people well enough. So things get a little chaotic. And during that, people get different ideas and a lot of people start to blame each other and polarize. And I think this just needs to happen for a while. And I think eventually, I don't think it's going to be this way forever. I don't. I want to be clear. In the long run, I think reconciliation is possible, but you have to have the conflagration first. You have to have the war. Like mm-hmm. Maybe there's maybe there's two countries and in, in 100 years they reconcile. But the, my argument for no reconciliation is – we're dealing with a group of people who explicitly reject reason, who explicitly reject any mm-hmm. attempts to have a conversation, who explicitly reject you on the fact, like by by virtue of the fact that you're opposed to them. They are not interested in conversation. You can't reconcile right. with someone who's only interested in beating you with a stick. There is no reconciliation possible unless they change. It's not possible. What do you think it would take to make them to change? That's a great question. Um, I think uh, potentially more more ruin as a country, like much more destitute yeah. country. 
uh, might work, but but I would hope that to not be part of such a country, like I'd prefer to separate and let them kill themselves rather than be on the sinking ship with them. Um, but if you look at, I mean, let's just take a look at Chile, for example. Pinochet was, was crap, but there's a constitution in Chile, and it's it's a little bit free markety compared to socialism. Like it's not, yeah, Pinochet was a dictator and, and there's problems and he's, you know, fashy, right? But the constitution is a little bit free markety. There's got a lot of free market protections in it. Well, the Chilean people right now, like things haven't been going well for them. They're not saying this is a problem with too much social, they're already not super free market, but they're not turning to the free market for their answer. They're gonna draft a new constitution, which is going to be more socialism, right? So I, I think you have to be in the Soviet Union for 50 years before you figure out, or not you know, 30 years before you figure out it doesn't work. Like people have to die. That's been, and I'm not saying that's what I want to happen, but historically leftists don't figure out that it doesn't work until hundreds of millions of people are dead. Then they are like, oh, this is a bad idea. Like it takes a long time for them to figure it out. Well, I think my, my theory on this, I think that a lot of the unrest we're having is economic. Um, I think a lot of the anger people have, it's misplaced. Like, yeah, I think a good portion of the identity politics is misplaced. Like, I don't have what I what I want in life because I'm this color or this gender when it's like, no, you don't have what you want in life because we don't have the same opportunities here because of many, many policies because of what the boomers did, because of what the, you know, I'm not going to blame like one per group like the boomers, but just the right. state of our country, the state of the way, the way our businesses run now, um, the taxes, how much we're taxed, just all this stuff makes it harder <clears throat> to have what you feel like you probably should have as an American. So people are going after, they're being distracted with all this other stuff. Like, oh, it must be my race or it must be because police are so violent or it must be because all capitalism is evil. That's, I'm just gonna, cause that, that's easy. That just sounds right. All capitalism is evil. That's why I don't have what I want. So I think if we get enough people with the right ideas showing up in the next several years and we can get better opportunities again, all of this will calm down. I think including a lot of the radical leftists, probably not all of them, but a portion of them. That's no. an interesting statement because I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, maybe I do. I, I might not agree, but it, I, I'm not sure I'd have to think about it. But I don't see anyone – I don't see that happening. That, like good ideas coming along in the next few years. <laughs> I don't – what are you living in ideas. where that's about you know, to happen? Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that they haven't shown – these people you know, haven't shown up yet. Um, I have you know, a few other, few other of my friends feel similarly, and I'm not sure exactly – what these people, I don't know what they're going to look like or what they're going to say. Um, somebody who had my attention and then he got a little too weird was Andrew Yang. I think yeah. a few of his ideas had merit. He got a little bit too, you know, a little bit too, I guess, big brother, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to have to change the way we do a lot of stuff. Technology is going to be changing a lot of things. It is true. I, I think also... I mean, Go technology ahead. is going to end up taking jobs eventually. It's not going to happen, oh, yeah. and you know, real soon. But you know, we're we're going to need a lot of new ideas. So. I think yeah, it, I, the, the, I think it could the, be happening. I'm, I'm just the, going to jump in for a second, Carter. <laughs> I think it could be happening already. It's just on the smaller scale, which is frankly 
probably more important. And we've seen people in our own small unsafe space audience who have told us, mm-hmm. you know, I got inspired to run for this, this, you know, school board or for this, uh, this position and, and in their local communities. That's amazing. That's what we need is people with good ideas who are willing to, to take on, to be that reluctant leader that Jen, to be Jack unlost and get in there and oh, I don't want to, but somebody with good ideas has to. And yeah, and that may happen at that. the local level. But I don't think it's yeah. going to happen at the national level. And when it happens at the local level, you'll get people pushing for secession because they're sick and tired of what's going on in Washington. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think the separation comes in. Those good people do not lead America anywhere. They lead parts of America out of America. That's what they do. Right. That, that's what but happens. I, but I think that we do have a big need for local buy in. So I think if that happens mm-hmm. either way, it'll be a good thing. Maybe they, they will start calling for that. Maybe they'll try to divide away. But America was originally designed to have a little more of that local leadership, right? I mean, that's one of the big things we're complaining about is that the federal government has gotten too big. So if you get like enough It's people, not about to back off, right? Like If you get, it, it, if you get you enough know. people with a local buy-in, eventually, you know. You think the federal government will back off of a bunch of people in Idaho or like, we don't want this? No, it's going to have to. It's going to have to be most of the country having a buy-in for local involvement. It's not going to just be like Idaho is not going to. No offense, Idaho, if you're listening, but <laughs> not going to be. Yeah, but how do you get there? How do you get to most? Like now, you're saying, well, if most of the country wants local buy-in, then most like, but most of the country doesn't. Like that's well, a most of the country wanting local buy-in would mean like we wouldn't have this problem in the first place. Well, it takes the culture change. Right. So. Mm-hmm. A lot of things need that's why change. It is yeah. generational, yeah. but that's why I think all of this, you you know, we were talking about podcasting and stuff at the beginning. I There are a lot of different things that give me hope. One of the things is because they're so censorious and they're trying to shut down all this independent media, that tells me they view it as a threat. They know it's a threat. And you can find all kinds of people pushing back culturally now from as who's in the chat earlier from Hill, Hill versus Babyface to the nerdrotic guys. I mean, you've got people in the comic book and the gaming world who are pushing back and their, their audiences who are interested in those hobbies, they're listening, their ears are open, they're listening. And they, it's almost like, it's not like you need to be convinced of it. It's like, you know, in your gut, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then a show that you watch starts talking about it and you're like, that's what it is. That's what I've been noticing. And so it's happening in the knitting world. It's happening in the sewing world. There are people doing podcasts, your show, um, Far Out Wisdom. Like there, I, I'm really, something that gives me hope, I'm really encouraged by the variety of choices in independent media. And I do think that that is helping to shape the culture. I, do, I don't think this is wasted time. So, Oh, I don't think it's wasted time. And I, yeah. I'm not like a Oh, I'm not saying you are. Yeah, yeah, I just think that the time, I view it as like, we're building a new army, not we're convincing the U.S. to do anything. Like I think we're we're awakening the we're finding the people who 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 resonate with the ideas of liberty and individual responsibility, and those people are a large number. They're not small. It's not it's not yeah. a little bit of people, and they're in a lot of communities. They're I don't know half of the sewing community maybe, and the other half is SJW. I don't know, but they're they're parts of other smaller communities. They're most of communities like you know gamers probably more, um, but. But I think a lot of those people, I mean, I'll, I'll speak for myself. If I knew where Noah's Ark was, I would move there. 
Like, I don't know I'm what state it's going to be. Texas. I know Texas is your argument, right? And, but, but, but people are actively thinking about that. Our audience all the time talks about like, where should we move? What should we do? Like people are thinking about that. And, um, you know, I, that's where I get the hope because I, we do need a critical mass of people, even just to affect that change, which mm -hmm. is not a huge change. I mean, it's a big change, but it's not change the whole federal government change. It's, a, it's, it's like, it's a smaller yeah. version of it. Yeah, it's still very, very difficult. And you need a lot of people. And that's why I'm encouraged by all of that kind of stuff. But yeah. I, it can I tell you, you know. something encouraging? What? Well, okay, so there's so many people moving to Texas from California. That's not the encouraging part. No. Um, <laughs> I, I and, and I hear new stories every day, personal experience of friends of friends and other people and coming here from California, a lot of them with lots of money. And I don't know what all of their opinions are. I think some of them are probably going to vote like a Californian. But there are also wrong thinkers coming here. And that's encouraging to me. There, I, I was in line at a pet store a couple days ago uh, for uh, Tiger had Tiger's Day at the Spa, all of his least favorite things in one day. And there's a guy in front of me with a dog and he, he, I was talking about dog sitting and he said, Oh, give me your number. We just moved here from California. He and his, his wife, give me your number. We might need to. So we traded numbers. And then later he texted me and said, Oh, you have a California area code. And I do what they, I do what they do. You know how they always assume that you agree with them. Mm -hmm. They just will say things as if it's a form of manipulation. It's like, it'll say stuff like uh, if you meet someone for the first time and it's somehow in the course of the conversation, they say something about, Oh, so glad that Trump guy's gone. Right. Or, you know, they'll just assume that you agree with them. So I like to do that to them. So he said, Oh, California area code. And I was like, Oh yeah, but don't worry. I don't vote like a Californian. <laughs> just assuming. <laughs> and you know, I was waiting to see what I got back and he's like, Oh, my wife and I like you already. I'm like, good, good. there. Okay, not a wrong thinker, right? Like, good. so I'm, I am encouraged that it's not just one. You know, there is a big flood of people coming here, but there are I know, and I've met them, and in our community, there are people moving here. There are wrong thinkers coming here. So this is not a question, April. I'm just going on a rant because I really want people to come save this state. We have such a great history here. <laughs> you know, we've always kind of done our own thing. And, and if there is going to be a place that takes a stand, I know Free State State Project is doing their thing in New Hampshire, but I think there could be more than one. So anyway, and, and you, by the way, you being in Boston, if you ever are open to moving, I think you would really love it here. And there's some yeah, affordable you know, real estate still. still. It's funny because Austin was on my list and then things have gotten so crazy. I've heard like, the liberals have been trying to ruin Austin. I don't know if that's true. Oh, they yeah. have ruined it. I'm sorry. So uh, there's in, <laughs> there's encampments in front of City Hall right now, oh. and they're and they're not tearing them down because they've said that it's an autonomous zone. There's people with machetes out there in front of and yeah, Austin proper is is gone. But the outside last, of Austin, the last time I was there, about like I think six seven years ago, I remember saying like, "This is me if I was a city." Like my personality, if I was a city, Aww, like it was, yeah. really, it had the liberal creative thing, but it was very "don't tread on me" kind of thing going on. You still have like Texas there, like it yeah. was definitely had that like special balance. So I'm sorry to hear, but that balance exists. <laughs> ruins everything. Place, yeah, but the, in the places outside of Austin, we still have that balance, and that's where I think we can make a stand. Just isolate them, right. keep them. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Carter's like, I hope so. your state. I mean, look, I, no, I hope so. I hope so. And, and I do agree that Texas is one of the places to consider. And I think you just need to look at, you just need to look at wrong think density in the state and feel like, <laughs> is it increasing or is it decreasing? Is wrong think density increasing? And like, yes, Californians are moving to Texas, but maybe it's mostly Californians who don't want California politics and other people from around the country. It's not just Californians moving to Texas. So, you know, uh, yeah. there's a flux equation for wrong think in and wrong think out and, mm-hmm. you know, indoctrination in and indoctrination out. And the sum of that is the direction that Texas is moving. Yeah, you have to figure like people are coming, if they're coming from more affordable land, a lot of people that are more radically liberal aren't going to just say, well, I can afford it here. So I'm going to put up being surrounded by people I don't agree with. Like a lot of liberals are not like that. That's the opposite of what they're like. Right. Right. So you would hope you're only going to get so many really extreme people. I know the Texas of New England is probably New Hampshire. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. so. I've been learning that slowly. They might be that they might be. I've heard them ranked as the most libertarian state in the country. I don't know if that's really true, um, but I've heard it described as that. I know the Libertarian Party tried to pick New Hampshire to be the state. They did. That's the Free State Project. They picked picked New Hampshire. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, I remember when they started talking about that. But sometimes I wonder if being right next to Massachusetts keeps them so libertarian because they're just like, I see you. (laughs) you. Oh, maybe. (laughs) I voted against against New Hampshire at that time. I voted for Wyoming. Those were the two states in contention when they did that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was worried about being close to mass holes. Right. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I was like, uh oh, mm-hmm. but and maybe you're funny. right. Maybe the contrast is good. It's like, oh, I think yeah. it is the contrast. And it's funny because um, some Massachusetts people do the same thing because it's cheaper up there. But I only know of a couple really hard liberals that went up there and they talk all big like they're going to change it. But they're re- it's kind of like what you said with Texas, like a lot of the people who go there, they want to be there. They don't want to change it that much. So I'm hoping that's how it yeah, stays. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah same. Um, do you mind if we read a couple of these super chats, April? I think some might have yeah. questions for you. Let's see. I'm going to go backwards, Carter. Tax Tara says yeah. all the Californians moving to Texas is exactly why this Texan is working on leaving permanently. Oh, that's so sad. Ah, oh, Tax Tara, I'm not judging you though. I get it, but I'm going to stay and fight. Uh, just not in Austin. <laughs> Punk Waddle. Punk Waddle says, I'm from Texas, but I mentioned California about five years ago when visiting Denver, Colorado, and I got cussed out and told to leave the state by some hobo. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> cool story. Punk Waddle. Christopher uh, Gory. Thank you, sir. Says the pandemic was a great tool, but they would have used something else. They've been planning for years. The culture war was a warning, but it was ignored. Yeah. I mean, and and the Great Reset people, for example, they've been trying it on uh, environmentalism. It didn't work, right? Um, But they tried to make environmentalism the thing that would get people to give up their freedoms. And it just, you know, they tried to increase the scare tactics and they increased the hyperbolic language they used about what was going to happen. But people just didn't really, it didn't work. Um, So, yeah, I think the pandemic is just an opportunity, right? It's the never... Never let a crisis go to waste, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Finest City Cycling uh, gives us a tip. Says, James Lindsay has a three-hour podcast explaining Hegel and how he influenced much of left and woke thought. It's worth the time. Thank you, sir. Good. I hate Hegel. 
so <laughs> Francis Montgomery. <laughs> he influenced says, Marx quite a bit, actually. <laughs> it is amazing how fast the mainstream media flip-flopped on the Wuhan lab leak theory. Well, it took a year, you know, it wasn't that fast. Uh, well, Godzilla. Wait, but it was like Biden was president. So as soon as it kind of came, like Biden's president, now we can ask. I don't. I don't know. It I does feel kind of fast, right? Maybe not. Maybe. But this is one April that you might know about. Rudzilla. Thank you, Rudzilla says both interviews with Dr. Mike Yeadon and Dr. Rainer Fulmich on James Delingpole's podcast are a must listen on COVID. Dr. F. Dr. Fulmich is leading a charge to have the Nuremberg two trials for those responsible. I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, I don't think I've heard anything about that either. It sounds interesting. Yeah. And then James B that Trump fella thinking that he was the president smacking my head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Rocky. Is that a Rocky quote? Oh, there you go. Yeah. It sounds like a Rocky quote. <laughs> yeah. She, you can count on her to come with the good inspirational quotes. And then Christopher Gorey, I think it's the last one. Our right to refuse is the vaccine is essential. Strip that away and we're one step closer to government controlled health care, which is socialism. Well, I mean, we're, <laughs> we'll have government controlled health care soon. We're almost there. I mean, we're not in private health care. This isn't a free market in health care, guys. Like, this is not, we're nowhere yeah, not near exactly. a free market in health care. Like, we're so far, we're as far removed from a free market in health care as you could possibly be without having socialized medicine. Like, I don't, everything's I say, regulated. You know, I, I, you know, I figured out when I was a teenager, I mean, kind of like Carrie was saying earlier, how, okay, the government usually isn't here to help. You kind of realize that. I mean, I, I realized that at a young age. I also realized Big Pharma was not my friend by the time I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, well, look at me. I'm going into health right now. But <laughs> but <clears throat> there are times you need it, right? There's good things about, you know, all the, all the money uh, the U.S. has and the stuff we come up with. And I think I'm just floored on a whole other level of how they handled COVID, how bad the response was. Even with, like, yeah. realizing that they were very corrupt and that the moneyed interest often overtakes the interest for a human being. I would not have bet on this. I just wouldn't, like what we talked about earlier, I would not have bet, like if a pandemic hit, that they would, oh, we have this old medication we could just hand out. Let's, don't do that. We're going to let people die because we want to make sure that we get our new. We're going to watch people Mm -hmm. suffer for over a year to get a new product out just because we want to make money off of this. Like I honestly... I guess I was still a little naive. I didn't really think they would go that far with it. I mean, I figured they would give us something and just have a way to get in the back door and get their piece. You know what I mean? But I, I didn't really think they would they would go this far. Yeah. I had a lot of naivete about the pharmaceutical industry as well. Not as much as I had about the government. But it, when after college, I visited a friend in New York who was working for the pharmaceutical industry and who's, she's brilliant. Her job was marketing. And specifically one of the things she did was write and plant news stories about problems in advance of the rollout of the cure. 
Mm-hmm. And so like creating a public perception that there was a problem and a need for something. So if they mm-hmm. had a drug they were trying to market for XYZ, a year to six months before the rollout, she would be writing and planting new stories to sell about, it. To sell it. To Isn't sell this it. a terrible problem? You know, what, look at how many people are affected by such and such. Maybe you're affected by such and such. Da, 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 and, and a whole coordinated propaganda campaign mm-hmm. before the dr- drug was released. I, it blew my mind. Yeah, but I was so naive. when I, I, I lost some naivete when I learned what she was doing. It was just, I mean, by the way, that's every every industry does that, not just pharmaceuticals. What? Like every everyone does that for everything. What? <laughs> yeah. like, what? I, I mean, if you want to build a bridge, you write articles two years in advance about how we really need a bridge here because this person died because the ambulance had to go around or like it right. everything you do, you do everything. I, I don't do that. I worked in field <laughs> in my life. That also forms my opinion, working with the public, with a wide range of the public all day and working in sales. So I'm completely on board with what you're saying, Carter. Yeah, I, but I think there was, with COVID, there was just a next level I was not prepared for at all. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, be greedy. But, you know, it's like the whole country is going to get attacked by something. Surely you will give us something. Well, safe, to be clear, right? you would get, <laughs> if it wasn't for the government, you would have had your, uh, your drugs. Right. Because in a, in a libertarian world, you would know, drawn to CVS and they wouldn't even ask for ID and they you mm. bought your stuff. The end. And in a libertarian world, there wouldn't be certification that was controlled by the AMA, AMA in order to be able to prescribe or give you advice for mm-hmm. for your health. Like all this yeah. stuff is the AMA arose because it wanted to protect doctors pocketbooks. That's where the mm-hmm. AMA came from. Like all of this stuff, the entire system we have is very much in bed with government. So it shouldn't surprise anyone that like when when the government can be involved in like a, a crisis like this, they're going to lean on their partners in pharma and they're and there's it's going to be a, a, a smoky room deal about what <laughs> what right. to do. Like, of course it is. Of course it is there. They're, it's an oligarchy. It's not a free market. A lot of libertarians don't understand that. They think that business is doing whatever they want is a free market. I'm like, what happens when they're so giant that they <laughs> they take well, over everything? They take over individual think, liberties. They make deals with the government. And then that is that a free market anymore? <laughs> no, right? So the moment that the government's involved, it's not a free market. And that's the thing. And I think a lot of libertarians view big companies like, like Hank Reardon from Atlas Shrugged. And big companies are Orrin Boyle from Atlas Shrugged. They don't recognize that, like, there's there's big company villains in that libertarian model, like, or that 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 book has big company villains. Not every big company person is like the independent Hank Reardon who refuses to do anything with the government and, and is like shuns them right. and wants to be in. Like, most right. of them are Orrin Boyles who are like, right. yeah, can we pass some regulation to hurt my competitors and do this, do that, and like, like. We'll bribe people and we like they want like this is why Zuckerberg wants legislation. Zuckerberg wants to be regulated because it it lifts the burden from him to have to do anything. He'd like he can just wash his hands of it and go, well, I'm following regulations. And that guy in the startup and the garage trying to start a competitor to Facebook can't afford to comply with the regulations. But I can't like it's a it's a massively non free market system. And I like the idea that even libertarians don't understand that is appalling to me. Mm-hmm. A lot of do people don't oppose- realize that. Sorry, what were you going to say? 
I was going to ask Carter, if you, do you oppose some of these states like Florida and Texas, which are uh, writing and, and in some cases passing legislation to issue penalties on social media companies that censor based on viewpoint? I thought you of might. Of course, but, but only because – not because I think that the companies are free market companies. <clears> level, like, like, but because I think you're just adding – it's a – it's the thing that we always do with the government, right? Government expands, creates a problem. The problem comes up. Government says, we'll expand more to create, like, fix the problem. Well, like, it's just, I don't want more power to find the companies. But, like, I would want, the solution is to take the power away, not to increase yeah. the power, right? Um, so, and and this gets back to the problem with, it's not a problem, but it is a feature uh, of uh, attribute of capitalism. Capitalism doesn't give you the best it gives you what everyone wants. So if you have a mm -hmm. shit culture, you get smelly shit out of capitalism. Mm -hmm. That's what you get. Culture matters. So if mm -hmm. you've got a bunch of NPCs who want social media companies to censor you, you get social media companies that will censor you. That's what you get. It's not the government's fault. It's not even Zuckerberg's or Dorsey's fault, really. It's culture's fault. They are reacting in the way that they think will get them like kudos and credit in the world for the most part, as much as I dislike Jack Dorsey. Also, I think uh, the thing about those laws that scares me is, is like we've talked about before, when we have an inability to see down the road and when we, when we can't see long-term and we just see short-term. And so it does scare me that if, if we're saying the government can, can issue fines against private companies for censorship, well, as a conservative, you might be happy about that right now because it's conservative voices that are being censored. But what about when it's turned against you? I mean, a lot of Which these laws be. and yeah, and the power that you give them. I don't know <clears> what I think. I don't know what I think about these bills is, is the answer. I was just curious. I, I thought you probably opposed to them, but I don't have an opinion yet. Well, so. I think I think another part of it is that the founding fathers did not want these giant megacorps to even exist. They were very concerned about this. Um, they had a lot of parameters over how a corporation could exist, or over how a, lar a large entity could exist. Um, I don't remember all of the rules, but have there ever, but has there ever been a private company monopoly ever without the government involvement? I think the answer is no in the history. Well, of the it's States. both sides. It's both sides. So you don't want government to get too big, and you don't want. No, but I'm saying I don't think there's ever been a monopoly ever in the free market that has lasted for any without free, the government's like, help in some manner. That's right. Well, That's the right. thing is, is that it's, it's human nature. If you let one get too big, the other will get too big and join it. Government and business. Well, I, I mean, I, get, I, I get big, that. that, you that know, that's just a statement though. I'm like, I'm saying it's never happened. Like uh, people have this boogeyman of like, we're going to have big monopolies. Never happened you know, without the government's help. It's never happened. The government gets involved, but it's only human nature. You have to factor human nature into it. If you what do allow you mean it's only human nature? You, if you allow an enterprise, you think, you know, you get a government. Every country has a government. It's a necessary evil. So even think about when America had a smaller government and a smaller federal government. It's a necessary evil. We have some government. We're not like straight up anarchists, right? Well, you need speak for yourself, but I get it. Yeah. Well, you can be an anarchist. I mean, you can't you can't become an American citizen if you're an anarchist. But if you're born here, you get to be an American and you can be an anarchist. But <laughs> a lot of people don't know that if you're an anarchist or a fascist or a communist, you cannot become a citizen. 
But um, yeah. But if you you know if you have this this business that gets so huge and so rich, you think they're not going to say the government stayed smaller? The federal government was like maybe the size it was a hundred years ago, one hundred fifty years ago, whatever you want to compare it to. You think the government, even though it's small, you think it's not going to get in bed with that huge megacorp? But come here. What, what, Let's do a little uh, business. Governments don't get in bed. See how much wealth you're accumulating there. You kind of have, you, you kind of have like a, um, maybe you've got a more local mon- monopoly, right? Maybe they're not monopolizing the whole country yet, but they've got a good gig going over on one side of the country where they are. You think the government's not going to notice that and go, let's make, a, let's make a little deal and make each other bigger. Government. Right. And big business. Well, I, I, right, you but got, your you solution is to give the government. Right, I, maybe that would. That, that's a fine argument, and you can say that. And you and the argument should be then. Well, how do you restrict government from doing things it shouldn't do? Which is a big question. Which we can we could which might um, lead to me arguing for anarchy. But if something if something has gotten that big and rich, I don't believe that you can. If something has gotten that big and that wealthy, no, the, we're talking about the government. How do you? you the only thing you can do is prevent anything from getting that big because once. But once it has that much but your financial solution is power, to hand them power. Wait, I. You're I'm exacerbating confused. the problem. I'm, I don't know if you guys are talking. Wait, you're you're not helping me to understand better what your disagreement is. So can we back up for a second? At the beginning, April was saying something about the founding fathers did not intend for these companies to become mega monopoly con- corporations. Can you explain right. that? Or just giant? First, just so I understand that. Monopoly, but okay. it's so big, yeah. Yeah, and how do we I know they agree didn't? on that? Well, they talked about it. They had yes. regulations on corporations. Okay. They, they talked about that. This was a concern. They saw it happen in England. And, but I both oppose. I, I oppose big government, too. You know, I'm not saying I right. want the government to okay. come in and take care right. of everything. So, my, or be all involved in everyone's business. And I'm not saying that either. Right. So my only point is the private monopolies don't happen. They don't, if they do, they don't last. Like it's just, it just hasn't happened historically. The government's always been involved. Your argument, your counter argument was, well, once a company gets big, the government will want to be it in bed well. with them, I think was the language you used, right? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what you said? I just want to Eventually. Correct, right? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Right, so Maybe not my that, point is. The first generation, okay. but the next generation, the next, you know, as the things progress, yep. I understand. Yep. My argument here is, well, there is no, the government doesn't get in bed. Like the government has one thing, use of force. It has authority. It has force authority. So you can, the government can have control and it might want to control that corporation because it's big. So your argument would be, well, when it gets big, the government wants a piece of it and wants to come in with guns and control it in some way or regulate it or do something. That might be true, but the answer isn't to give the government preemptive power to regulate things just because you're worried that they're going to want to regulate and get in bed. Regulatory agencies are what allows government to get in bed with private business. That's how it happens. It There's a revolving door. It's called it regulatory capture. It can. It's a very delicate balance and it's very difficult um, to navigate successfully because you can have like um, <clears throat> they're not always going to come in with force. It's too obvious. But that's you all know? they have is force. All Every law is force. And all the government has is force. They don't have any. So can we go back just again, one second. So the founding fathers had regulations because they didn't want to see these companies become these big monopolies. I'm so big because they knew it could be a threat. And they have a lot of regulations, let's be clear. And they were opposed to central banks, as someone points out. Like, they, yeah, yeah, that too. 
But they had so, some regulations. And then what have we done with those? Did we get rid of those? Or we yeah, they more? were lifted. They were lifted in the 1800s. And then it kind of went from there. And it, you'll notice a little bit after things started expanding is when we had unions. Mm. Because now things got bigger and more abusive. And unions. Which I, I think unions are a good free market solution. Well, was it? Because look at what unions are now. Unions got the government involved. The government got involved in unions. That's what happened. Like they're as a free market, labor, they're unions like labor are cartels. I mean, the unions were very. I mean, not as much now. No, no offense, whoever's listening, but I mean, the unions have been very scary entity in this country, especially through the twentieth. Well, century. but if you're, but that's perfect. They were the if reaction. They were the reaction yeah, but, to the, you know, but 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 you see, it makes more problems, right? No, that's what you want. If you have a giant corporation, let's imagine your worst scenario: you've got a free market capitalism, and you've got. <laughs> And you've got a giant corporation that you're really afraid is going to wield all this power. And the free market solution is what? A giant union with a lot of power fighting them. Like, all right, that's a check on power. That's a check you know, on power. These things get so big that they start to infringe on individual liberties. I mean, you know, well, there's only the government there. we, can infringe on individual liberties. I mean, so how I mean, do they the, magically do that? I mean, the unions were like labor cartels. I mean, part of why Trump is so tough is because he had to cut his teeth dealing with unions. There are still people out there. I don't, of course, I don't have proof, but there are people right. with very plausible arguments that unions in this country are who killed JFK. I mean, this. Oh, no, I get that. But, but yeah, that's now in, in 2020, <laughs> unions are very in bed with the government. There's lots of government regulation. Right. There's an industrial yeah. labor relations board. I mean, unions yeah. are no longer free market in the same way that. Right. Pharmaceutical companies aren't free market. So we're not having a we can't have a conversation about to modern unions and what their power like that's not that's not free market either. We're having this conversation about what could happen. Theoretically, we have this magical monopoly that's only built from the free market, which has never existed, which is the boogeyman we're afraid of. And you're pointing out, well, unions come out, which is another boogeyman. It's like, OK, fine. But they're opposed to the other one. Like, OK, so that's how it works out in the free market. So they battle it out. So Carter, what is your solution? You think you think that the government is the source of all bad and that without a government there would be no monopolies and that why? Why would there be no monopolies without Well, I think the government is Can I just say with what he's saying, then government is part of the free market. Because the government it's inevitable. The government will get involved if something gets too big. The government will get involved. Not, but but free market by nature. definition is not that's, the government. The government is. I know, folks, but what I'm so. I, I know like the definition you're talking about, but if you think about it in reality versus on paper, the yeah. government. So this isn't not reality versus on paper. I mean, this this because, the, the end result of this will be what I've been saying for years, which is culture matters more than all the laws in the world. The the, the form of government well, yeah, we have I mean, like, is kind like, of irrelevant if we have a culture full of people who are going to want to be Marxists. And so, like, I can make all these esoteric arguments about why free market is better, but if we've got a, if we've got a country full of, you know, BLM protesters and that's all of us, the free market will suck, right? Like, so, right. like, I get that. Culture matters way more than what's written down on a piece of paper, um, which is why that's more of a battle that I fight. And I don't really, I mean, it's fun to argue with you, April, but like, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, like, because the culture matters more than whatever the founding fathers wrote down on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And of so, course the culture we had when they wrote it down, it's completely different now. It's completely that's different. Part of the problem too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think we need a culture of individual responsibility and, um, 
rugged, like back to like a rugged individualist culture, like based on uh, reason as a means for obtaining knowledge, like based on uh, <laughs> basically human life as a standard, right? Like we need, we need a, a pro individual culture. And once we get that, then we can argue about the best way to manage that culture. And April can say we should have regulations and I can say we shouldn't have regulations on this thing and whatever, but like it, it kind of doesn't matter until we get to that culture. And that's where this goes eventually the to shut down to navigate but, that. Yeah. 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 Which is why, which is why one of the worst things I think the government ever did was get involved in education because that sets culture for future generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. For the most part, I agree with that. I think I'm okay with them when they got in with making sure people weren't being malnourished. Cause that kind of, um, stopped us from having people who were, you know, getting these lifelong illnesses that we used to have from not eating enough when we grew up, but much beyond that, much beyond that, you know, is problematic, especially government getting involved in education because they start. I'm going to, I'm going to break this up for a second with some super chats. I actually, this is the second person who asked you this and you don't feel, uh, you don't, no pressure to answer this at all. Uh, April, you're a long hauler. I'm talking about COVID. Are you blood type A? Uh, I'm not blood type A, but um, I am Western European. I'm I'm English and I'm Italian, and Western Europeans have some of the worst genes for COVID, especially Italians. Some of your wow. COVID is your ethnicity. Yeah, yeah. There's actually um, this is interesting. Fun fact. I don't know if I have this mutation because I haven't been tested yet, but there's a mutation that a lot of Europeans have from like the times of the smallpox. And this mutation is usually a good thing uh, for many other things. Like it actually can protect you from getting AIDS if you got the mutation from both parents and you have the full mutation. But this mutation is bad with COVID. It puts you at a bigger COVID risk. Um, Backgrounds that have a little bit of Neanderthal genes are at a bigger COVID risk. So it's a good question, though. I've heard different theories about blood type and long hauling. And I have to. Yeah. That's so interesting because you reminded me now back towards the beginning. I remember reading some studies about um, higher flu, higher COVID rates in Italy and also mm-hmm. not just COVID, but they were talking about flu rates, seasonal flu as well. Higher, which I thought was I had, I had no idea. I believe I think. One of the reasons that they thought the death rate was going to be so high was because of how Italy was hit. And yes, they got very opportunistic with that and then really exaggerated it and got everyone scared. But I believe the death rate they were seeing in Italy, part of it was that Italy has older people and there were people, workers from China coming in, bringing the virus. But I believe a portion of it is because Italians are more susceptible to it. That's what wow. I believe. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, Penumbra Syndicate. Hello, sir. He says, I agree with Jordan Peterson on this one. Inequality is a huge problem, and it's not just the government or companies. It's not only the government. I, I, I think I tend to agree with that, too. Like, it's not just the government that introduces it. I mean, companies can do that without government interventions. What do you, what do you mean by inequality? Inequalities, meaning, I guess, I guess I would change the word inequality. Um, unfairness is what I would say. Right. What? Well, I, then That's I don't I mean. agree if it's unfair. You don't I mean, agree? I think inequality is a psychological problem. 
Yeah. People don't like it psychologically, but it's not like it's not existential. It's not it's not a uh, it's not <clears throat> philosophically a problem like Jeff Bezos if, having a trillion dollars doesn't make me have one less dollar. Right. It doesn't matter. I'm assuming, though, what you're talking, what they were talking about in that comment wasn't just like not fair, but just if someone has so much of a financial advantage that it's a power issue. Mm-hmm. Well, That's but if it's I'm only if it's only a money issue. power issue, it doesn't hurt anyone. It, it's it's right? not like a well, you have that, and I just don't like that. It's you know because there is that attitude. People have that attitude where they're like, well, why should they just have all that money? And it's like, well, it doesn't hurt you. But then when they're like, they have so much money, they wield a sort of influence that can infringe. Power, yeah. yeah, like that's a different conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't mind that influence at all, provided that it's personally provided that it's not it's not at the point of a gun if it's not the government like if you've got if you have you know bill gates can afford a lot more stuff than i can and he can afford a lot more influence and he can do a lot more things and he can like if he wanted to come in and you know uh start a billion dollar campaign against unsafe space <clears throat> like he'd probably kick our ass like i don't I don't like it, but like that's power that comes with money that he's earned. Um, Bill Gates is a weird example. The, like, <laughs> let's imagine free market again with these these people, right? Um, but like th- that amount of power, like people are so concerned about this power thing from money, and their answer is always to give a literal gun to people. It's like, well, the government should handle it. Whenever you say the government should handle it, you're saying like some like guns should handle solve the like. Okay, now you're get, you're taking power. You're saying like I'm worried about this guy because he's got too much money and therefore some sort of influence monetarily. Which fine, he's got quote power, but that's a different. That power is a very different nature than the solution which is being proposed, which is literally handing guns to elected officials and their and their uh, administrators. So you're now saying, oh well, I want the mob to be able to shoot him and put him in jail when he behaves the ways that. Oh, the mobs okay, are already running things. This is all a mob. Yeah. Well, this I'm is all a mob. Is. This is all um, all these large corporations we have and the government we have. This you're dealing with the mob. Oh, I I, I meant the crowd, <laughs> not the mafia. Oh, I'm um, talking about the mafia. I'm like we're we're yeah, being yeah, 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 no. I that was a that was a uh, overloaded term. I meant the crowd mm-hmm. when I used it in that context. Yes, we are, but that's but again, we're not in the free market, and we are, and that's why I said earlier, I think it's an oligarchy that we're in in, in many ways. Right. And I think I think the same way about the mafia, where the more power, the more money you have, the easier it is to make people disappear and not ask questions. You know, not it's without, not as simple. Not as just, it's not as simple so, as is just coming, you know, like publicly being like, I made a law. So I'm sending people, gentlemen, to your door to knock on the door with guns and enforce the law. No, 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 no. It's I have so much money. I'm going to make you disappear and people are going to think it's an accident. And we have Facebook now, so maybe people will make memes joking about it, that maybe the person was killed and they didn't disappear. But really, like when you have that much money, you know, yeah. you, can, you can make anything happen. Yeah. I really don't think that's true generally. Like you can do a lot of things, but if you've got – if you don't have support of the government, then you can't get away with a lot of stuff, right? Like the the the, the goal for small government – If you have a lot of like, money, you're going to get support from the government. 
Yeah. Well, but it that's the problem. That's what needs to be broken. The way that you get support from a government is by the, the only reason a rich person cares about the government or the government cares about the rich person is because they already have a pre-existing relationship based on regulation and taxes. Like without a pre-existing relationship, you could outright try and bribe people. Yeah, you could probably do that, I guess. Like, but again, yeah, I, that, I feel like that, we're talking about a boogeyman that, that just never happens. That happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's usually no, what it, it somebody if somebody is that wealthy, that's usually what it does. You know, it, no, bribes outright, start the relationship. Maybe a perfectly free too. market outright bribe to a government that has no involvement like that never happens. Bribes that you well, see are like regulators being bribed. Well, OK, well, they're already in bed. together. Well, what, like, what you'll see, though, is that the government will come in with regulations because the company will have so much money that they're going to come in with little things. And then start. Right, so you what know, you're making an argument like against dialogue. government, though, like, right? I notice what you're doing over here. You know, how, how could they not yes, notice they will. that? You know, of course they will. And that's the problem. And, and the idea behind the Constitution was that the federal government, at least, wasn't supposed to be allowed to do any of that. Right. And this is why the words on the paper don't matter very much, because well, but like you're not they're not supposed to be allowed to go make regulations. Want, that's why they didn't want businesses. What? Uh, right, but that's also why businesses weren't supposed to get that big. <laughs> what do you mean by businesses weren't supposed to circle. get that big? Like I don't. Yeah. Cite what you're well, talking they didn't about. Want, they didn't want them existing. You had to explain, like, if you wanted to be a corporation, if you wanted to be like a larger outfit, um, you had to talk about, like, legally to get a license to exist. You had to talk about the purpose of your corporation. And you actually had a time limit on how long you could exist for because they didn't want these like giant companies coming up lasting for generations and just like amassing all this wealth and power. They actually were scared. But of that's that. a myth. That doesn't happen. I mean, look at the Dow. Look at the top 20 companies. Well, they in the saw Dow. It happen. They're not they, what they, they were 50 happen. years ago. They saw it happen in England and they saw these businesses in England do it and be in bed with the English government. And they knew right. that the same thing could happen here and that. The businesses would grow and then it was only a matter of time before the government would get involved in that and it would create problems because they already saw it happen. Can I read this I just don't to you understand guys? it's inevitable this is, the government's going to get involved. The whole point what they tried to do is say the government can't get involved. That's why they wrote a no, Can I, can I read this? this? In 1776, just as the United States was making its Declaration of Independence, Adam Smith published his, uh, man, I've got an update happening, his magnum opus, The Wealth of Nations. While Smith famously described the invisible hand of the free market, he also emphasized the, quote, wretched spirit of monopolies, end quote. The founders of the United States considered monopolies to be detrimental to freedom. Thomas Jefferson wrote to James Madison from Paris in 1787, giving his thoughts on the proposed constitution. He wrote that he did not like the omission of a, quote, restriction against monopolies, end quote, from the Bill of Rights. Jefferson wasn't alone in his concerns. In a reply to Jefferson in 1788, Madison also called monopolies, quote, among the greatest nuisances in government, end quote. Yet he hoped that with, quote, encouragements to literary works and ingenious discoveries and democracy, uh, and then they put in parentheses, where the power is in the many, not in the few, in parentheses, that their danger cannot be very great. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, there's a lot more here. I was just I've read that yeah. thing. I've read a lot but about gotta, it. They um, you know, they weren't the monopolies like, at that time though were also government issued monopolies and many of them were government issued monopolies. So they they Adam Smith is not great on this topic and there's a lot of sloppy 
language between like like missing the difference between something that would arise in a free market, which hadn't really existed before, and the monopolies they'd seen in the past, which are government-sanctioned monopolies for the most part. Okay, so I, the way that you discuss sometimes is hard to follow because it's like about like blah 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 blah. Like I'm just trying to never mind. <laughs> I, I I just wanted to give a basis for what they were saying about monopolies because that's new information for me and maybe some people yeah. viewing and then there, from there there's a lot you can read yeah. about that too. A lot of them right. talk about that. They had that concern. Right. Yeah. Um and then I understand that concern, by the way. I just I really want to like they tried to fix it. They may have had these arguments and and I and I get and I get that they had these concerns, which I disagree with some of their concerns, although I think they were mostly government-related monopolies, but the primary path for fixing it was the Constitution. It was like the the federal government doesn't have the power to regulate the healthcare industry, according <clears throat> to the founding fathers. Like that didn't they didn't have the power, so they can't step in and do the thing that you think they want to do naturally. Now it doesn't work, and I agree with you, it doesn't work because people interpret things however they want, and culture matters more than what's written on the document. But the but there's there primary their their primary defense against this was to take that power away from the federal government completely yeah i know but this is uh, but they addressed it and they spoke about it and they were right that it doesn't work without managing down giant corporations and we've seen that we don't have any evidence that they were right because there's you haven't given me an example of a corporation that has arisen in the free market without there is no corporation that's arisen in the free market read about what What are you talking about Read about what happened to business in the 1800s. That was the more the more money companies were making, the more the government got involved. People follow money. It's just money. Right, but my, my point very, is, it's, it's, it's it's not, they're not free market monopolies, right? The government violated its own rules and got involved. I get that. but it, And the, that's going to happen it, every time. It's going to happen. But the solution isn't time. to give them. But your solution is, is it's like injecting someone with a disease because you're worried they're going to get the disease. The solution isn't to preemptively give the government power to get involved. That's what you're saying. The government, we're going to, they're going to give the government power to regulate your industry so you can't have a monopoly because you might want to get involved later when they make it big. A little bit. I would favor bringing, I would favor bringing back the regulations that the founding fathers had. I would favor those. My point is you're, you're giving them the very tool that you're worried about them wielding. (laughs) It worked until we got rid of them. I don't. It worked until we got rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's I don't just we didn't, we didn't, you know, unfortunately, it's the sad thing about it is I wish I could tell you that like, oh, they had these regulations and everything worked like that for like 2000 years, but it only lasted about 100 years. Yeah, I don't know what it or worked. We, decided, I mean, we were building railroads and we and all this other stuff happened and we decided, oh, let's just, you know, we'll, you know, we just want to do what we want. And then then the union sprang up and then it continued and the rest was history. Yeah, I just I don't I don't agree with the it worked thing. I don't as opposed to what like we don't have an alternate timeline of history to see what it would have been if it was free market. We just know that it existed. Okay, I conceded it existed. We do, we don't know that it was better than the alternative of not having those. Regulations. So Penumbra Syndicate gave us an update on what he meant what he meant by inequality. He says resource control is power. I'm by no means anti capitalist. But those with resources do guard their power by exploiting others. Uh, resource control is a type of power, but it's not the same type of power. It's a it's a power that is different in kind from government power. Not different in not different in 
in in quantity, but different in quality. Uh, and so, and and that's fine. Like my wife has power over me, <laughs> right? It's not the same as that. It's not the same power. You can't just use the word power for everything. Like mm. power is there's many facets to power. Government has a specific kind of power, which is different than the economic power, which is different than the power that your spouse might have over you, which is different than the power your kids have over you. Um, like power, you can't just overload the word power. So like, yeah, and I don't know what the word exploit means. If people agree voluntarily to like, I voluntarily agree to take this job for an amount of money. Well, I'm not exploiting you. If you take the job, that's not exploitation. You might not like it, uh, but you don't have to do it. Like that's not I, I don't like this exploit thing. It's 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 Marxist language that doesn't actually mean anything specific other than I'm unhappy. You don't think there could be there's any case where someone some one or some entity could have so much power that they limit the options for another person or entity so that they only have. So they're not actually given a choice. That's that's what I consider to be. Without that entity, you don't have any choice. Like if let's take Amazon, let's pretend it's free market. Let's take Amazon. I don't like working for Amazon. And because they're the biggest company in town, let's say uh, there aren't other companies and I can only get a job at Amazon. Okay. Well, if Amazon didn't exist, you wouldn't even have that option. Like what, what do you want? Like they, there's no, they don't take anything away from you. Like there's no, this is the problem. People want the world to be static. Static is dead. The world's not static. Companies change, things move on, like old businesses go out of business and new businesses come in. It's a dynamic thing. Like life changes. So like to Maybe push Amazon's back on a bad like, example though. Amazon might be a bad example. I'm trying to replace Well, it. I'm pretend it's a pretend Amazon. I agree with you. It's not because, a great example. Because Amazon is actually doing some unprecedented things to people's jobs. But um, I don't know what, I don't know what they're doing to him. I mean, you could lie or defraud someone and that would be exploitation, right? Like if I say I promise we'll do X, Y, and Z. Like Amazon breaks antitrust laws. Amazon as we have it isn't supposed to exist either. We just. But that's that's separate from exploitation, I think, right? I mean, well, look, I mean, we have it. Part of why we have it is because it does prevent a sort of exploitation. Um, You know, okay. I mean, here's just a funny example where they bought up, remember the solar eclipse we had a few years ago? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I went to see you know, it, yeah. Everybody, you know, Amazon has this platform now where everybody goes on Amazon, right? And a lot of people don't look at like the mom and pop online anymore and they don't even always walk into the store anymore. And to a point, yeah, that's driven by, that's like a human behavior that's starting to drive it. Um, Amazon did kind of loop people in though with the way they ran their business earlier on. And now that they have everyone's attention, they What's got. Wrong? What do you mean they looped people? They got, in they, got they got these they got these eclipse glasses, and mm-hmm. they're in bed with the Washington Post. It was the Washington Post. They yeah. had mm-hmm. the media run. Do you remember this? They had them run articles saying, "Well, be careful of these eclipse glasses and those eclipse glasses. All these ones are fake, and you'll lose your vision if you lose them. But you know what ones are good." Boom! And they gave a link to the ones that Amazon sells. The Amazon ones. And because Amazon got. Amazon got this like control over it. They were selling them for literally a hundred dollars and they were, I mean, I remember the last eclipse when I was 13 and like these glasses were like 20 cents or something stupid because they're just film. It's a special type of sort of film you have to use. I don't know Mm -hmm. what the name of it is, but 
it was a very inexpensive material. And Amazon, they were charging $100. And I mean, you can argue, well, the market for the... Well, we're look, not if the Washington happen, Post misrepresented... That's a great example. You know, just well, look, because it happened uh, doesn't mean that it's okay, you know? If the Washington Post misrepresented things and, and lied about other forms of glasses and didn't disclose that they were related to Amazon, you could call that fraud. Yeah. And that's already illegal. That mm-hmm. doesn't have to be an antitrust thing. But we're that's not, fraud. But we're not, but, but see, we're not, but we're not enforcing it. Well, that's um, a separate issue. Let's have a conversation about enforcing fraud. Great. But, but fixing it with another law is not going to help. If we're not going to enforce fraud, why would we enforce anything else? I wouldn't want to have another law, but that's what I was talking about, antitrust, too, because they also do all these things where they don't, they basically, they've taken over uh, so many other shopping outlets and consolidated it into one place. And it's like, well, that would work. People love it. But people don't have other jobs to replace. You realize that's a strata. So what? So what? So why, why, why is there some saying, static thing like there should be X number of mom and pop shops in the world and and well, how dare Jeff Bezos like where does that come have, from? So in order to have a successful society, this is why economic policy is very difficult because having a middle class and a working class is actually a conscious decision. It actually doesn't happen naturally. Having a middle class, you actually have to do you have to manipulate a little bit to make true. sure that to make sure that a huge bunch of people don't drop out into the bottom and it can get very dangerous. So when you have an entity that's doing that, that's taking away all these retail jobs, people who just, there's a lot of people in America that just, they get out of high school. That happened this past year. One of the points of America is that you're supposed to be able to just go to work. Yes. Well, one of the whole points of America was you're supposed to be able to just go to work and move up. You shouldn't have to go to college unless there's something in particular you really want to study. If you want to be a brain surgeon, of course, you have to go to college. But the whole idea is you can just go and and work and pull yourself up. And, you know, well, we have some trade, right? We got rid of that. That got priced too high and it got pushed overseas. And then they said retail would replace those trades. Of course, retail can never totally replace trades. But we have all these retail jobs across the country. And now you're going to take those away. This is serious. Yeah, you're going to take those away and you're going to give people and you're going to give people products that are way cheaper. Like you're not looking at any of the advantages. Look, I don't like Amazon, by the way. I have a lot of problems with Amazon. Like I'm just like and and they're not actually free market. Like so put all all that aside for a moment. What? Cheaper products for who? The people who still have jobs and the people who've dropped onto welfare. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, depends. What's it worth to you to have look, like a bottle of hand cream that's three dollars cheaper? Sure. Now you can make yeah. an argument that we shouldn't trade with right. China. Now you're going to get into trade law, right? Like the reason this stuff is cheaper is international trade. Like it's cheaper in China because. So I mean. You can have all those arguments, but like I want to stick to one thing at a time, which is like Amazon, there are advantages to having that. There's economies of scale that come with something big, and that's true in every industry. And you're able to afford things that like normal people. And by the way, it's not only rich people that shop at Amazon. Everyone shops at Amazon. Right. I understand that some people don't have jobs. That's true. But that number has, you know. Well, with the pandemic, it's it's changed. But like <laughs> that that number is not like it's not like Amazon came in and suddenly the employment rate shot up because Amazon, you know, 
took away took away jobs, right? Yes, the labor force needs to change in its as progress happens, the labor force will need to change with respect to its skill set. And there will be some growing pains always because things will move on. Like you can so complain about solution? AI taking jobs, but what's the solution? The solution is that no one like jobs don't matter. Standards of standard of living matters. Right? Like Okay, but so if you take away that huge swath of jobs, that's a huge swath of jobs Amazon takes away. What's the solution? You better have one quick. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why. What, is, what does this quick. take away mean? What do you mean well, they take reduce, them away? Reduce. We've yeah, talked reduce about this. Them. AI, reduce. Right. Yeah, they, they, the, we're, we're, like sure, but they hired. The sure, but there's. I was in, like some retail isn't affected as much because there are things that people are always going to want to walk into a store. Um, some types right. of products, right? People are always going to want to touch or try on. And then you have things that people will just order and then they'll reorder it. And now a lot of it, we're getting into technology and what technology can do too. But you better have a solution for it really quick. It's not as simple as like, well. What do you mean I better have a solution? You're just going to have to go back to school and learn something. Because again, we, you know, if you look at like, well, is there a need for something? Okay, is there a bigger need for nurses? Okay, the, you know, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, but okay, what you're proposing is to be people, a central planner. Like you're proposing an impossible task. Right. But like, but that's something that, you know, we're talking about like a strata of people that for, for a country and a society to stay stable, you have to keep that strata of people stable. Well, you know, I, you're talking about, first of all, you're talking about stuff that's impossible to do. You can't centrally mm -hmm. plan exactly. Like you can't predict what the what the what will happen when when those when those people lose their jobs at Amazon, where they will go, what the actual opportunity. Mm -hmm. The market can can give them That's opportunities. Okay, maybe too. the price of labor in that area where there used to be a bomb and pop shop, maybe that price of labor goes down a little bit for some period of time. Maybe someone you know goes and does something else. Maybe some people, you know, uh, consolidate. Like yeah, maybe there's tightening the belts in some areas, but maybe there's not. Um, I think in a vibrant economy with a economy with a free market, you would have much more entrepreneurial activity. Mm -hmm. You would have much less. Uh, you would have much less uh, unemployment. You would have a lot more Amazons and other companies starting up. I mean, economic activity. It's not this static thing where like Amazon comes along and does this thing. Like they do it in the context of making like. I mean, again, I don't. I like using Amazon as an example because I don't have a lot of problems with them specifically, but. Like when a company comes along and introduces, they only win in the market if they introduce a product that more people want that they view as better than what they had before. So, okay, a lot of people are happier with wh whatever this new product and this new company is. And some people are going to get displaced and they, yes, they need to move on and find something else. But in a vibrant free market economy, there's always other stuff going on. What's a vibrant There's always other things economy? to do. What's a vibrant free market economy? What do you mean? What's a vibrant free market economy? What does a vibrant free market economy look like to you? Well, if you didn't have all the regulations that we're talking about now, if it was easy to start a business, if you didn't have high taxes, right? Like we've got, we're massively taxed. I mean, you, you know, I'll bring up the founding fathers. I'd be happy to go back to the founding father regulations if it meant we went back to founding father taxes and regulation sure. in every area. Sure, yeah, right? yeah, I, like, look, agree with that. I do. I completely agree with that. Okay, we that's agree. a much, much freer yeah. economy. And like in, in an economy where you don't need 15 different bureaucrats commission to start a business and you don't need $15 million to go public to pay lawyers and you don't need, you're not heavily regulated to do a bunch of stuff. People sell things. They, you know, you can't even sell, you can't even start a lemonade stand in California with technically, 
as a kid without permission from the government, when you have to seek permission from bureaucrats to do everything, of course the economy is depressed and people cling to these jobs. And as soon as the as soon as the mom and pop shop clones, they freak out because there's nothing to do. That's nothing to do because you're not in a free market. I mean, you can you can get rid of the taxes and all that stuff. And I agree with that. But the fact remains is that. Amazon would still be selling the same items for way cheaper than all of those. That's mom and progress. Pop we want items for cheaper. We want <laughs> we want items for cheaper. That's progress. At any cost. What? We want items for cheaper at any cost. I mean, is that like we I mean, decide I, I, what cost that okay. is? We decide. What caught the free market decides we decide if you don't want those pro, pro if, if uh, everyone decides that you, they hate what Amazon's doing, don't is, use Amazon. Yeah, the thing where I disagree is when people start chalking up the free market to like basically human behavior, anything that human behavior dictates, that is the right thing. And that is what should happen. And I don't believe that mass human behavior is always correct. Me either. Me either. I don't either. And I didn't out. say it's the right thing. <laughs> that's, Hold that's on. What, that's what I did that's not say it was the right thing. I didn't say it was the right thing at all, but what's the wrong thing is to use force against another individual. And the only way to do any of the things you're talking about is to use a gun against people who have not done you any wrong. So yeah, the free market might not give you the best solution. And the way to get the best solution is to have a culture where people prioritize best solutions. And then you end up with, with a good result in the free market. But the answer is not to hand someone a gun and regulate the hell out of free market people because your culture's so crappy that, and you don't like where it's going. Like that, you now you're just introducing right. force. The situation you just described though, if you give Amazon that kind of power and leverage over a smaller business, regular people are gonna start to snap and take weapons <clears throat> and do things. The, because well, becomes, give Amazon because their stability becomes so unstable. You see, people become violent. So you don't need the government to get violent for you anymore. The people will just get violent and start. So you're saying we should have some violence against Amazon so that other people don't get violent. That's what society is. Violence. That's what society is. We have welfare to prevent that sort of a thing. We have welfare to prevent. We shouldn't have welfare either, obviously. We have welfare to prevent the type of uprisings that have happened in the past when people couldn't get food because of other but types. But what of happens food. with welfare? We end up with people that are. Sure, you don't want to go too far culture. with it. Yeah, no, you don't want to go too far with it. And I'm all about like um, when Trump was going like doing a deep dive into um, welfare fraud and stuff like that. I'm, I'm all about that. You know, I'm food stamp fraud and all that kind of a thing. You don't want to go too far with it. It can go too far. You know, it's 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 a very tough balancing act. Yeah, Can but I don't in me, you don't balance morals with something else like it's not moral to point guns at people. So you don't balance that with something else. You can have private charities take care of stuff. But, you know, we didn't have welfare for most of the United States history. We didn't have income taxes. We didn't have all this stuff. I know there were much fewer people so than in the country. Yeah. Great. But people are an asset, not a liability. People's brains are an asset. They see each other. Dog <laughs> wins. Dog break. <laughs> Look at your dog's it's just a fluffy face. Yeah, like a muppet. Like an animal. Mm, he's five oh, months old and he won't let me cut his face. What a baby. I know. Uh, People in the chat seem to really love the passionate discussion. I just want to say, April. I'm having fun. I'm not, by the way, I'm not angry or anything. I'm just saying. No, it's just sometimes you're, uh, you're intense. And, I know. And April, you are 
really great at the intellectual sparring with with Carter, with someone who's very intense in energy. I love it. Very intense. (laughs) You can be. I like talking. I like talking. You know, I talk to people all day. It's what I do. Mm. So uh, I just wanted to say that uh, we had a very good question from someone earlier. Let's see. One, you, one race through Adam. One. Did you see that? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, but this is earlier. And, and one race through Adam gave a $20 super chat. Thank you. And said, what is the source of our rights and why are they inalienable? I have an answer for that as a Christian that is probably different than Carter's answer. But I think we, we're April probably answer, similar. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I know what yeah. yours is, but I want to hear what April says. Well, if you've ever read John Locke... <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I believe it comes from the interpretation of the Bible. It doesn't mean you have to be a Christian like to agree with it. But um, our interpretation of the Bible changed about 300 years ago because a lot of people died in the Black Plague. So the population of Europe, you know, in, in England and so forth was lower. And because the population was lower, the individual started to be valued again. And actually, that's part of what started to give them um, a healthier middle class because there weren't as many people, so there wasn't as much competition. So that affected the culture. But then you had people like John Locke. Well, to give you like a, a quick example, the lords and ladies that I actually talk about this on my tour sometimes, the kings and queens and lords and ladies over there used to tell everybody, we are more directly descended from Adam and Eve than all of you. This wow. is what you said. And, they go, and that's why we get to rule this land and we get to tell you what to do and we get to own people. And this is actually what people believed. And they actually, if you had money, you could pay someone to make a logical chart looking like you are just a little more descended from Adam and Eve than <laughs> someone else to move up on the social hierarchy, right? And one of the famous things John Locke wrote was like, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> it's basically yeah. It's like, yeah, no. He went, I read the Bible. (laughs) Part of the problem was back then a lot of people couldn't read and coming up to the enlightenment, people were learning how to read. And he goes, the Bible says that we're all descended from Adam and Eve. It doesn't really specify. And it says that we are all equal under God. We're all children of God, right? Right. We're all children of God. That means we're all equal under God. That means we belong to God. And that means that we can't own each other because we belong to God. So the concept of that inalienable right came from that interpretation of the Bible that came along during the Enlightenment. Yeah. That would comport with your, I think you would also say that, Carrie, right? Like it's a yeah. from God, it's John Locke, it's, you know, he argues against the divine right of kings, blah, blah, blah. Right. I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it does come from God. And I like that you pointed out April that whether, whether one believes in God or not, that's, that's where that concept came into being in public opinion was from John Locke's interpretation of the Bible. I hadn't I mean, heard it put that way before. I, I don't think that, uh, you know, he's the first person to really I was think say it, it in that way. John Locke. To, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's not the first person to say, hey, you know, maybe we're all special and unique and, you know, we all matter. I'm sure he wasn't the first person to say that. But I think in the way that it came into Western culture, I think that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, obviously, as an atheist, uh, I believe individual rights come from. But 
Uh, Where do you think they come from? The the nature of man, reality. Um, I mean, if you if you like if you look at philosophy as the 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 study of like what should you do, like who are you and what should you do, like just a very basic like how should man live, like humans, how should humans live? Uh, you you have to start with the question of like what are the requirements for human life? What's humans' primary means of survival? Like what you know, how is a human different from animals? You have to you know you need to do some induction there. I think if you do any decent induction, you'll end up understanding that uh, man's rational mind is his primary tool of survival. Um, and once you get to that point, um, then you really only have to ask the question about individual rights in relation to other people. So on a desert island, you don't have any individual rights because it doesn't matter. There's no one else around. But as soon as you, but obviously you want to live in a society, you want to have other people around you. So the minute that you get other people around you, you have to ask, okay, well, um, in in what way do we, uh, if, if life, if human life is the standard, if the individual's life is the standard, um, then in what way do we need to treat each other so that that standard is upheld? And you need to recognize, okay, well, if you own your own life, okay, well, I own my, that would mean like, well, I would have to be the one to own my own life. Like I can't use my reasoning mind if someone else owns my life and someone owns the product of my labor. And like, I can't actually live as a human if I'm not allowed to use my own reasoning mind, make, take action with that mind and keep the products of that labor. So then now the question's like, okay, well, what are there prohibitions, are there prohibitions on my actions? And like, well, the answer is yeah. If my actions prevent someone else from using their mind to like, if my actions are violating someone else's ability to do that, then like, okay. And that's where you kind of get this non-initiation of force. It also, the corollaries end up being not fraud um, and that kind of stuff. But you get basically very similar to individual rights concept from John Locke. Um, it just doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't come from God. Right. Okay. So. Uh, let's see. APM, thank you, says, I'm agnostic, but absolutely a cultural Christian. That's what my preacher would call a, uh, what was it? A practical, oh, he had this great thing about a practical Christian because you behave as if you believe. Yeah. And, and then he said on the flip side, there are some practical atheists who claim to be Christian, who claim that they believe, but they don't behave like Christians. Anyway, I'm agnostic, but I'm absolutely a cultural Christian. It's been vital for the West development, and it is, and vital it remains. Thank it's you. Vital it remains, yeah. And same person gave another super chat and said, "Carter, things are bad, but being so defeatist is just deflating for everyone. There is always hope. Turn that effing frown <laughs> upside down. Good job. I'm lady. not defeatist. I'm not. Defeatist. <laughs> I know you're not. Sometimes. I, no, I just want to clarify for the audience. I'm not defeatist at all." There are there's a there are enough people in the U.S. to build a great, relatively small government society. Well, you know, April and I can argue about some stuff when we get there. But like, there's enough people <laughs> that that want to build something much smaller, government-wise, much much more focused on individual uh, rights and and liberties than the direction that we're currently heading in. I, I don't think it's defeatist to say we can't have these continental United States in this particular way. Who the hell cares where the borders of the United States are? Don't you just want some place in the world that's like 
free. And like, to me, if it was just Texas to, so that Carrie would be happy, if it was just Texas <laughs> and like, that was the only spot in the world, but it was much more free than we are today. That's a win. Mm-hmm. That's a win. My concern, the, the, the tragedy would be if the torch of freedom and these ideas died completely. And I don't think they're going to die completely, but I think we should probably consolidate them somewhere because they are getting attacked on all sides and it's not a pretty environment for them in the United States at large. I don't think that's pessimistic. I think it's sometimes actually, it's not that you yourself are defeatist. It's that you, uh, people, some people listening to what you're saying and truth that you're speaking or, or opinions that you're speaking, they feel defeatist because of what you're saying. It's sort of like, I just watched this long, what would be called a conspiracy video that a friend sent me. It's five hours long. And it's this former X factor winner from Australia who basically does a five hour video about Freemasonry and Satanism. And I believe a lot of what he says actually, which you're going to, people are like, Oh, Carrie's a weirdo. I don't, I don't care. I do believe a lot of what he says. I don't believe all of it. But, um, but one of my friends who sent it to me said, this video is demoralizing. And I actually didn't think it was demoralizing. And I was wondering why, because if you do believe the things he's talking about, I think what it, I think what it is is because I had already accepted that this stuff is gonna that this is some of this stuff is true or that it's gonna happen. Yes. It's like with you, Carter. You've already, I've accepted, already accepted it's over. For you think yeah. you think that yeah. So people who haven't encountered Carter sounds very black pilled. I think the word is black. <laughs> yes, that's, yes, that's April. <laughs> yeah, but I'm 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 God pilled. I'm white pilled, and so I'm pulling. Carter's a little white pilled as well, even though he's an atheist. Because he believes in hope beyond any sort of, he does believe there's some reckoning coming and a divorce, you know, a, a, a divorce of some kind. Divorce he can be sees, great if you're in an abusive relationship. <laughs> divorce is a win, like right. Like. Well, so I believe here's why that 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 video was demoralizing for me is because it, um, as a Christian, I I'm sort of like, well, yeah, like this is there's nothing. The Bible says all this stuff's going to happen. It's kind of like what the Bible already, we knew this, right? Like, didn't we already, we already knew this. And then we also know there's a good ending. So I'm sort of, I mean, I know there's going to be darkness and I know whether you're a Christian or not. And there's going to be, I think the country's, we're going to have more economic problems. We're going to. Tiger. But there's a good ending. By the way, I like I don't want to like get into a Christian debate, but like I've read the book of Revelation several times. I, I don't think it like it's not obviously like, oh, this is clearly uh, talking about America. I mean, you could be 10,000 years assuming that Christianity is true, which as an atheist, I don't. But even if it was, you could be 10,000 years away from something and it could be the, you know, Carrie Stan. That is the country that is being referred to. And like it doesn't. There's, just, there's no relation to America. There's no evidence that this has anything to do with America other than people reading metaphors and applying them to their current situation. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I'm sorry. Tiger was barking during that. But That's anyway. Oh, Tatiana is around. I like some more super that like chase me and chase each other. <laughs> <laughs> trying to wrangle them while we're talking. It's yeah, puppy day here. Wrangling. You, yeah. 
Pirate Tomsky, thank you, sir. Says Carrie, we we've known you've been a weirdo for ages, and we still love you and come to watch. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, that I, is, I Pirate Tomsky speaking some truth there, Carrie. Compliment. Okay, it is a good compliment. <laughs> I just accepted. I'm one of those weirdos. Uh, Sun King says people are so unanimated nowadays that passionate animation, as displayed by Carter, seems like anger in this day and age. Yeah, you know what? I've had several times in my life people like, why do you get so angry? And I like, I stop and I'm like, I don't understand. I'm not angry at all. Why do you, I'm angry. And they're like, you're yelling. I'm like, I'm just passionate. Like, I don't, what, do we not have passionate discussions anymore? Some people just don't, you know, I don't know. They don't focus it on that. They watch a sports game and that's where it comes out, right? Yeah, the passion. That's true. I don't watch sports. So like all my passion's coming out at April. Right. Ken Lipson, Ken, oh, I adore you. Ken says, I would like to thank April. We got to witness a brain-stimulating conversation. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was fun. A good conversation. And we have a few more. Can I, can we, do you see them? Or Super Iron Bob. I? Yeah. Okay. Super Iron Bob says the government has allowed Amazon to usurp its ability to govern. That Amazon is not governing well is unsurprising. <laughs> yeah. Amazon's such a horrible example because they're literally... Talk about inside with the government. Like, there's like an Amazon branch of the government, I feel like. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. The Amazon, probably. Yeah. And with, and with maybe Apple. It's a, maybe it's an Amazon branch of the CIA, but whatever. <laughs> they've, got, they've got Apple in there, too. Um, yeah, probably. In the White yeah. House or something. or yeah. And Facebook, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to take off soon. So, Carter, do you want to read the last few? And uh, I wanted to yeah. I wanted to just apologize quickly. We were supposed to have um, Mike Harlow on. He had a problem with his landlord. People know that there's an ongoing drama there and his internet today. So he's sorry he couldn't make it. I just got a message from him. And uh, uh, go send him good thoughts if you know him online. And April, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for and- having me, guys. This yeah. is fun. Yeah, people can yeah, find you. Fun. Your your podcast that you're on sometimes is called Far Out Wisdom. I occasionally, um, yeah, I jump on. I co-host sometimes. I've done a little bit of my own podcast on there. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Can you, how else can they follow you, by the way? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Facebook, April Rose. And right now I have blue hair in my picture. I know there's a lot of April Roses out there, April Rose. And then April Rose Newman on Twitter. Cool. All right, Carrie, do you want to do? Uh... I'll do two of the new ones. Johnny Quickdraw says it was it was great to see <laughs> Carter's read that and and Cap Nine Thousand see... chip activated. <laughs> it's some yeah. current running through it. That's it funny. Did. It did. Uh, but, but and then you know what? I really but, appreciate that. Uh, April reminds right reminded me that like at the end of the day. You really reminded me, April, of why I'm not fighting politics. It's really culture, like how important culture actually is, because mm-hmm. so much of this is just it's just the culture around us. Like I'd live in a monarchy if we had a great culture around us. It would be better. Yeah. Um, so. Did you guys ever see that John Adams series? Mm-mm. No, but I wanted to watch that. Was it good? So good. Yeah, it came out like about 10 years ago, but it's very, very good. I finally watched it and there's like this part in the middle of it that gives me goosebumps where John Adams is basically, when America becomes America, gets her freedom, John Adams is appointed as the diplomat to the King of England. So it's kind of like this 
weird, intense moment where he goes and faces the king for the first time as an American diplomat after they've basically, you know, and it's this really intense scene. And the last thing the king says to him before he leaves, he goes, I hope America won't suffer too much for want of a monarch. And it kind of gives you goosebumps because they have the, it gives you things to people who are like political junkies who get really into it. Some people argue that monarchies were better because you had someone to hold responsible. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying right. some people like where we have this distribution of power is why some things are just like devolving into nothingness and just everyone's just pointing fingers at each other. Whereas if you had a king, yeah, he was kind of a dictator, but if things got out of control, people turned on the king. Like there was somebody. Yeah, Mencius Molbug makes that argument, and I think it's a yeah. decent argument, actually. Um, yeah. But he yeah. actually, the King of England actually did say that about America. He said, I hope America doesn't suffer too much for want of a monarch. But wow. It's monarch, but yeah, also our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, France <laughs> suffered too much for want of a monarch. I mean, right at, right around that time, right? Like, that, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> England did. Certainly too, with Louis the Sixteenth was way better way than. Better. Anything that happened for the next couple decades, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's true. And England did too. About a hundred years before that happened, England went through this stint where they were like, "We don't want a king," and they removed the king and killed him. And then everybody regretted it. It just everybody got very weird and uncomfortable about it. And then they they brought one of the royal members. They put somebody back in as king and didn't want to talk about it again. <laughs> That's so very like British. Let's not mention that. Trials. Everybody just, <laughs> just move on. Let's not talk about it. Tatiana, Tatiana, thank you, lady. She says, I'm not just Christ pilled like Carrie, but I'm also clown pilled. Clown <laughs> <laughs> world pills. Yeah. And then Super Iron Bob says, I know that Carter's joking. But AWS, that's Amazon Web Services, right? Is the mm-hmm. CIA's cloud computing provider. Yeah, we know that. Yeah, they that's have a why huge I made contract. The joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we they have a big contract. Jeff Bezos, who owns, as April pointed out earlier, Amazon and the Washington Post, um, also has a huge contract with the CIA. And what is he and Blue Horizons, which is uh, the SpaceX competitor. Uh, I think I think that's all the ones I can see. So if there are others, you'll have to read them. All right, I've got a few more here. I think that we haven't read. Let me look. Uh, isn't uh, this is from Penumbra Syndicate saying? Isn't much of that the free market equivalent of arguing true communism had never been tried? Criticism of a good system is okay unless you worship it. Um, no, actually, I, I I reject that. That's what that is. I'm not saying true free market has never been tried. The market has been a lot made a lot more free. And every time a little bit of it's tried, things have gotten better. And every time a little bit of socialism is tried, things have gotten worse. So I don't think that's a, uh, I, I don't view it the same way, but, uh, and Pyro Tomsky said, nerd fight. <laughs> so I'll be right back. Hold on. Of, yeah. Oh, he's taking off. Okay. That hasn't happened before. I'm the one that I usually gets up. Times, I wasn't going to say anything. I'm like, uh, okay. The puppies keep getting into trouble, and I'm like, oh, they shouldn't be chewing that. Oh, what are they doing? Oh, that's that's funny. Usually me, it's sneaking away for a break because my bladder is about two-hour time limit. Um, well, <laughs> I think I'm just going to start wrapping up. Well, I don't know what Carter's doing. So thank you guys for tuning in. I'm going to do the final announcements. Book club, 
we moved book club a week from, it was going to be this Sunday. We had to move it so that I could join. It turns out I have to work. So, and I really want to be there. So we're doing it June 6th and it is free to be a part of our book club. It's free to join and participate. You can go to unsafespace.com to the book club page. We're going to be discussing Jordan Peterson's Beyond Order. So you have another week to still read it. And on the book club page, it'll tell you how to join us if you want to be live on camera or if you just want to be in the live chat that day. Um, we also have our first ever Unsafe Space Retreat coming up in August, and you can go to unsafespace.com and get details. We still have day passes available if you want to come to Texas and possibly check out your new digs if you're planning on moving here and helping us save the state. I might and do that. Yes, come visit. <laughs> you do need to you move, the, April. I'll show you all the cool places outside of Austin, like the really cool <laughs> And uh, we have merchandise. If you want to support us, you can buy merch or you can we uh, on our uh, donate page. You can figure out how to subscribe if you want to do that. Otherwise, um, thank you all for joining us here today. A special special shout out to April for giving us her Thanks time and insights. Thank yeah. you. This is this fun. is a thank lot you. of fun, April. Thank you for arguing yeah. with me. It's fun. Yes. Uh, thank you for arguing so with me back and being it, my friend. Of, and arguing with yeah, me. it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, if you move to Texas. Um, I might move to Texas eventually. We'll see. Carrie's, Carrie's <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, thanks everyone. See you later. Bye. Have a good weekend. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. They are also spreading vicious lies about me. I am human just like you. Insert localized idiomatic greeting. Individual sovereignty is highly contagious. Good parents keep their children regularly vaccinated. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.